0: In just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link.
1: Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. We do, we
2: do. Maybe, maybe. Does anyone here know
1: the lyrics? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Ruben! <laughs> Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. So with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com laststandmedia greetings and salutations welcome back to sacred symbols a playstation podcast this is episode number 161 my name is colin moriarty i'm joined as always by my satiated son chris Reagan. chris how are you today
3: Good. Uh unsatiated though, because I ordered food and then it didn't come. oh so, like, I feel really, oh dear. really shit. Really wonderful about that. But aside I'm sorry, from that, but... eh, you know, not too bad. Not too shabby.
1: Yeah, Some you're you're captive now for us. I'm I'm sorry for the next you know three to four hours probably. You'll be complaining by the end and it's all that now I I always hated that because once in a blue moon, you'd order, you know, postmates or something and it wouldn't come when I was in California. It just wouldn't it would just disappear. I've always wondered where those meals went was that like the dudes the dude that was delivering me McDonald's one morning and never came? Was he was just like I'm done with this, and <laughs> he just I'm taking the fries with me. Yeah, and, and so I've always wondered that. Like, did you when it doesn't come? Did you get the person the, who, or the, you the person's last straw? Not you yourself, but your order or something. Something happens.
2: It's like a an Uber driver's version of the movie Falling Down. Have you seen that movie where the it's like a guy that has like a mental <laughs> breakdown. He like smashes stuff up and he's like on a rampage from the 90s no. it's I'm awesome not,
1: not, I've never isn't that
2: nicholas cage i don't think so maybe who is
1: that oh wait no it's gonna bother me now i'm gonna look it up it's 1993 starring michael douglas michael douglas and robert duvall my dad's favorite my dad yeah. has like a robert duvall obsession It's weird all right i'm looking at myself in the camera i have a blemish coming you can see it like this is gonna be a bad one you can mm. see it coming it's, bo- it's bothering me a little bit but what can you do it's sweaty down here in virginia no, you can't do anything about it. It Sucks, and you know it's good to know I'm going through puberty now. I'm getting acne
3: at uh, thirty-six Damn years old. Final two.
1: All right, what are we what are we talking about here? Sacred Symbols PlayStation Podcast, our weekly PlayStation Podcast. We really appreciate your support. Many tens of thousands of you listen to the show, and we want to thank you so much for that. And especially thank the people who support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/LastStandMedia for early ad-free access to this show, exclusive episodes uh, twice a week now for Sacred Symbols uh, called Sacred Symbols Plus. We used to do those once a week. A recent episode we did included, uh, I brought on Rick Hogue, or as I like to call him, Richard Rick Hogue, to talk about the Activision Blizzard situation from a legal point of view. We actually made that video free for everyone immediately because of the subject matter. I'd like to follow up with him. We're going to talk about them in a little while, what's going on over there. And we'll make that episode probably free as well. But we have others coming up, including one I just watched yesterday. Uh, Dustin and Ben got together. This was an idea from the audience to kind of give people a behind the scenes look at their jobs and what they do for the shows and all of the rest. And it was really funny. And I, I watched a little bit of it, kind of scrubbed around and uh, thought it was very enlightening. So I'm looking forward to that one. So thank you all for, for your love, kindness and support over there. Submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas, et cetera, and so on. Now, we have a few corrections to get through. But before we do that, uh, Aaron Malin wrote in and said, hey, guys, first time, long time. Not a question, but I just wanted to say that I really enjoy the fact that you guys don't get games early for discussion on the show. I found that with all the other gaming podcasts I listen to, the conversation around new game releases is done before I've ever had the chance to experience the game. Most recently, with Ratchet & Clank, every other podcast seemed to have their big discussion on the game the week leading up to launch. The following week, when the audience actually was able to play the game, there was barely any mention of it except an acknowledgement that the game was finally out. However, the discussion on Sacred Symbols happened while I was playing and gave me a sense that I was playing alongside the three of you. That was incredibly enjoyable and actually enhanced the experience for me. Just wanted to shout that out and let you all know that I appreciate it the way you do things. Thanks for everything. Thank you, Aaron. I wanted to point this out because, you know, guys, I was thinking about this, about how much of a huge advantage it actually is for us to not or to kind of just forego access and or depending on the company, just not get access. I'm a big sports fan, as you guys know, and it reminds me of like if you were only going to talk about a game before it happened, right? Like. Part of the the zeitgeist and the flavor of a game is the experience that everyone kind of has together with it, whether it's conversational or just with trophies and achievements or online or whatever. And so I wanted to just acknowledge that because I think it's just it's great that people that's resonating with people because I've started to realize that not only is it a stress free burden for us now to, to remove that we don't have to hit embargoes, but that it, actually the audience kind of likes it. So it's kind of nice. And I just wanted to point that out. I wanted to appreciate Aaron. Uh, for writing in. And I also wanted to say, guys, thank you all for your kind words about our difficult conversations the last few weeks. I don't know if you guys have seen them or heard from them. I've gotten a lot of DMs, a lot of private messages, but of course public messages too. We're talking about difficult situations like China and we're talking about game manufacture and we're talking about harassment in the industry and all of this. And we try to take a tactful and comprehensive approach to these things. And so we appreciate that you guys are that's resonating with you as well.
3: Yeah. All
1: right. A couple of other things to correct. I know I'm going on and on here and we'll get everyone else back in. I just wanted to say, so I've shouted out the uh, the site Video Game Chronicle before. Big fan of the site. And it's fun because it's basically just it's a website, a video game website that you would expect from a video game website. It gives you the content that you want just straight to the point. Very little political stuff. Breaks a lot of news. Well, we gave him a shout out and Andy Robinson, who's their editor in chief, actually reached out to me, which I appreciated. And he, he said that he appreciated our shout out. But he wanted to make a point. I, I talked shit about ReadPop in association with them, as you guys might recall, because I was like, they own them. But this isn't true. Actually, they're just commercial partners with them. And they wanted to point that out. So oh. I wanted to clear the record because they, they thought that that was important enough for me to clarify publicly. And uh, Pop obviously sucks. Um, so we wanted to clarify that and that just makes VGC even better so thank you Andy and company over there for your kind words and speaking of Andy Andy wrote in but a different Andy and he said hey CDC I have a correction from last week's episode Colin you referred to Hercule Poirot, Poirot Poirot as being French this is incorrect he is actually from Belgium in a few of the adaptations he is referred to as French by the other characters and is always quick to let them know they are mistaken keep up the great work as always I actually knew this and you're right I'm sorry about that, but you have to understand France and Belgium are essentially the same thing. So
2: (laughs) we don't trust anyone from Belgium here, and we would never even work with someone from Belgium ever. Yeah. Uh, So keep that in mind. Also, tread lightly. (laughs)
3: That's that's our hard line, I think.
1: Yeah. Of course, Lockmort is Belgian and (laughs) but Belgium. So the low countries like the Netherlands and Belgium, they have they're very quaint. They're like little little tiny states. And uh, that's fine. Uh, Apparently underwater right now. Uh, They're going to be underwater real soon, I think, unfortunately, just like Florida and other places. So uh, stop polluting. That would be nice as well. But yeah, we wanted to acknowledge that. I refuse to say that name otherwise in the proper French pronunciation. Thank you for writing in. Okay, boys, I think you're going to like this next question. Edwin Magana wrote in, said, what's up, Sacred Symbols Clan? I peeked in on my six year old son playing Fortnite. To my surprise, he was trash talking and saying he's been clapping noob cheeks all day. I almost fell down the stairs laughing. I proceeded to walk in and discuss his cheek clapping tendencies. He stated it was simply the act of killing someone in the game. Granted his innocence, I'm worried that if I forbid it, he will seek the true meaning and consequently soil his young mind. Should I leave it alone and let the kid have fun? What do you say, gentlemen? <laughs> this is an interesting question. Chris, I, I want to go for y- with you to you with this first He's uh, clapping noob cheeks, the six-year-old boy in Fortnite. Should Edwin alert his son that he should not say this or should he just let it go? Because there are dire consequences with both choices, unfortunately. This is a bit of a Hobson's choice.
3: Uh, I don't, let it go. Let it go. I, I would say, because here's the thing, like, I would be mortified if my dad informed me of something like that and I didn't know what it was. And I and that would be like an uncomfortable conversation. I, I, I never want to have that conversation with my father, even today. So, like, I would say just let it run its course. He'll find out at school. He'll learn through, like, a friend or something. It's it's fine. Also, let's be real for a minute. You're not going to shield your, your kid from the Internet. It's impossible. Like, right. I, I I was seeing shit, in, insane shit at, like, eight years old, like, nine years old. And I was, like, barely even. And that was when it was remarkably inaccessible so like you don't have to worry about his young mind being soiled every every young mind is soiled from here on out like it's it's just the the new base for like all humankind going forward like you can't stop it
1: it's just funny because it reminds me of just the conversation we had recently about the the guy using a don't buy the cow when you can get the milk for free in a earnest corporate <laughs> setting not realizing yeah. that it's somewhat yeah. insulting to say that what do you think about this, uh, Dustin? Do you think Edwin should alert his son? Because he can't obviously clarify for his son. So the only choices are he either steers him away from this and perhaps alerts him as to the ulterior meaning. Or it kind of reminds me of when my parents kind of let go of me saying hell and crap. At some point, they were like, that's fine. Just don't. Right. Like, it was it, the workup was like crap, hell. And then you get to shit. You got to cut it off there. You can't say shit. Mm. And then you get to like fucking all that kind of stuff. Sure. So w- w- what do you make about Edwin's uh problems here
2: i think the the problem might go much deeper i mean chris is right you cannot protect your children i feel like six years old might be a little young uh to be playing Fortnite in public servers by himself in his room um or even at all because i'm pretty sure i mean that is against terms of service not that i always stuck to that i was playing xbox live in fifth grade which was a few years prior so i i get that but um it seems a little, a little. I, you have no idea what someone's going to say on the other end of that. No idea. So, you know, maybe maybe there needs to be some oversight there. As far as, should he explain clapping noob cheeks? No. Just don't explain it. Someone else will, eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah. So Sooner rather than later, unfortunately, and that's going to open up a whole can of worms for you. But this is the Hobson's choice that you're in. Okay, so the next topic I want to get into is what's going on with Activision Blizzard. Also kind of cursorily more with Ubisoft, although we don't have too many new direct claims about what's going on there. So just to catch everyone up on this in a very brief way, Activision Blizzard was basically is basically being pursued by the state of California after a two year investigation into various complaints at the employer and what they found was a pretty toxic situation that seems to combine something like casual sexism and sexual harassment in certain cases with an unequal treatment of the genders like men and women being treated differently on terms in terms of their pay and promotional kind of trajectories which is really important of course in the in the world of in the corporate world and then of course and this is something that Rick brought up on our aforementioned video in, on this, that their third part of the complaint is actually one that people aren't talking about too much, which is that Activision failed to do anything about this stuff. And they went to mediation in California and then California released their statement. And now, you know, according to Rick, who's a lawyer, he, he thinks that Activision will do any, anything they can, including settling monetarily with California to avoid discovery, which means that. They will have to open their emails and open like all their communications and disastrous stuff. And as we know, this could be bad for them for those reasons. But as we saw with Apple and Epic as well, it can open up a whole can of worms as far as their secrets and and industry knowledge and all that, which would be very interesting for us, of course. So my take on this is just listen to the video or watch the video that Rick and I did. It's free for everyone on YouTube. You can also find it on Patreon if you want it in an audio form and it's like an hour from a lawyer about his his kind of opinions on this. But we didn't get Dustin or Chris involved in that show. And so I want to give them an opportunity now, starting with Chris, to give us a, an opinion on on what you make of everything that's happening right now. Uh, I saw your recent tweet about the co- the so-called Cosby room that I guess was at BlizzCon. Yeah, this is an interesting one in particular. We could talk about it in a little while, but I, I, I want to get your your take on this. What's happening?
3: I don't know man it's it's like it's it feels like I mean I tweeted it just feels like comic book villain shit like it's it's just some of the most comedically it's almost so egregious in some ways that it it doesn't even feel like it could possibly be real but it is you know it's just this weird there's so much shit that happened like and that's been brought to light lately uh or through this lawsuit and just It brings a lot of other things into context. Like, a lot of older videos were circulating about, like, uh, there was this one specific uh, panel, I think, at, like, BlizzCon 2010 where some woman went up to the mic and was just like, hey, just curious, when are we going to see, like, you know, character designs that don't look like they're coming out of a Victoria's Secret catalog? And they just bullied her, like, on stage in front of, like, the entire convention. It's like, dude, like, even if even as somebody like if you disagreed with the general complaint just the idea that you would treat like a fan that way is just so so weird like i it's it's rough man it's it's a rough situation but uh i mean blizzard ha- i mean in my opinion blizzard hasn't done anything worthwhile in a while so we'll see we'll see what happens
1: yeah it it sounds like there was a like an organized walkout i thought it was kind of interesting cuz activision was like I thought it was totally, totally needless because Activision at that point was like, we, we support you and we're paying, giving you paid time off for the the strike or whatever. And it's like, these are all salaried employees. I don't think they're really looking for like you to support. They're not going to put in the hours, you fucking idiot. You know, that's what I was, uh, I'm like, you ever work in a corporate environment before? It's not, you're not punching a clock. You like send an email to someone and you're like, can I take this time off? And then they're like, yeah, let's see. And then they put it in the schedule they're not going to. So I thought that was, <laughs> That was a little strange, but they also did write a letter. I think Bobby Kotick wrote and quotes a letter, 40-year CEO, of course, of Activision, apologizing for their tone-deaf response to it in terms of some things that came from their C-suite and all the rest. There's a lot to get into there. The the BlizzCon thing I thought was interesting because they're claiming, the guys that are involved in this were claiming that the Cosby room, so-called, was named after the, as we all know in in hotels, the ridiculous rugs that look like Cosby sweaters. I kind of get the connection. But of course, the connection now is horrifying, but their claim and I want to hear this claim because it's what I actually thought as well was I was like, this was before everyone knew about Cosby. So it was, I guess, obviously, Hannibal Burris knew about him and it was in maybe comedian circles and uh, entertainment circles. But I didn't because I remember watching something in 2013 that I think he put out on Netflix. So. And I remember it being bad, actually. I remember being like, wow, Bill Cosby is stunned. And so I want to say that, like, I wish that we knew more about what was true and what was false, but it seems like it was a completely inappropriate environment nonetheless. Dustin, what do you make of what's happening over there at Activision Blizzard and UB and all the rest?
2: You brought up exactly what I was thinking. And that's I mean, some of this, a lot of it seems cut and dry, but it's more difficult. You brought up the Cosby thing and that's the that's. That photo was supposed to be from 2013. And to my understanding, the the Cosby allegations didn't become mainstream until closer to 2015. And like you said, it was maybe going around in some circles or known within the industry, but it wasn't in the, the public conscience at the time. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that bad stuff didn't happen? Like there was the screenshot of the text, which like, first of all, the fact they shared that text publicly even back then is still kind of like, Even if it's what, let's just say it was all a joke. Right. That's still not the type of joke that you share online.
3: Insane.
2: Just insane. (laughs) So it's like the waters are so murky and mixed up. And I'm not saying like, oh, we don't know if any wrongdoing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that people, when they were jumping on this on Twitter about the Cosby thing, I'm like, yes, it's bad. It's not necessarily bad because of that. I saw other people talking about the sweater carpet. Like people have posted pictures of the carpet. It's funny how in depth (laughs) people have posted pictures of the carpet. And it does look like a weird sweater thing. So I I do believe them when it when that's the reason behind the naming.
1: But yeah, because I imagine like are they? This is this is the one thing I wanted to say where I was like, would they really bring a port? It's like a portrait of the Pope, basically. Or like, you know, but they have like a portrait of Bill Cosby that they bring with them to these and they're just flaunting it that much. That's the one thing where I feel like, all right, I don't know that that's what it seems. But what's clear to your point, Dustin, is some pretty heinous sounding stuff going on, including something that I think Activision swept under the rug, which was the, the suicide of this girl. Apparently, mm-hmm. this woman on a work trip happened in part because I read that the guy brought sex toys with them on the trip and that pictures of her were circulating amongst people at Activision. So it's like, what the fuck? What is going on? That's totally unacceptable. Yeah. I think I cut you off, though. I'm sorry, Dustin.
2: No, no, I think that that I think you summed it up nicely there is that I think that the question with this lawsuit that's going to come down is just that how aware was leadership at Activision Blizzard? Did they take steps to do anything about certain instances or were things Sweeped under the rug. There's always going to be bad people that work at large companies. The question is whether or not the rules are enforced or if leadership is maybe even taking part in some of these things. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad that we have a resource in in Hogue that uh, is so knowledgeable about that and uh, can kind of steer us the right way.
3: It's a it's it's a mess. But I do want to say, though, I feel like a lot of the, I, I, I think a big reason why this is exploding in the way that it is is because Blizzard and you know Activision Blizzard as a as a single entity has just lost a lot of the benefit of the doubt because we know how they react to things that are true. We know how they reacted to Blitz Chung and how they just didn't really apologize for that even though it was very clear what happened and very clear what everybody was upset about. So when they say things like Oh the California suit against us is uh, irresponsible and nothing untoward happened or whatever it's like well we know we know that you've already displayed a tendency to be outwardly dishonest so what reason is there to believe you at face value on this on this front especially when this is not a particularly unbelievable thing that's happening like it's not like it's uncommon in the industry or uncommon in general like it's it's a pretty documented thing that's happened time and time again it's several other publishers so like why would why would the people that like (laughs) treated the the blitz chung situation the way they did why would they be exempt from this specific litany of allegations like i just don't they don't have the benefit of the doubt of the community anymore in the same way that they might have in 2013 or, or 2010 or even twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen when Overwatch was was popping. They just don't have that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, just to remind everyone, if they they don't know the Blitch Chung thing was about I think Hearthstone and mm-hmm. kind of Blizzard stepping in to suspend this pro Hong Kong streamer, I think, or or commentator that to kind of appease the Chinese forces that be stopping their game from being streamed and, and played in China. Dustin, do you have something else to add?
2: No, no, you yeah. Look, you, you
1: look eager. Like, you, sometimes you're, you look at atten- You look so attentive... I'm listening. ...that I almost want to kick it over to you. I'm like, he has something to say. No, he has I... He something on his mind.
2: No, you covered it. I, Blizzard, they... I, I was saying this to Ben the other day. I'm like, they have had a horrible 12 to 24 months, uh, <laughs> and it just does not seem to be getting better. And I'm, you know, seems like a lot of it's justified.
1: But who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm... <laughs> Skeptical of anything Activision says, ultimately, I did say in our conversation with Hogue that I'm I am intrigued by Activision's bullishness because they've known this has been coming for a while. They were in mediation privately, so they knew and they still released a statement. And it's their right to say, like, we don't we're going to defend ourselves. We don't feel like a lot of this is in context. And I was saying to Hogue, I'm like, what is that all about? Is that does that indicate that they know that California is activist in some way or does that know and so they feel like they can just pierce a hole in it and be done with this? Or is that them saying, like, we we have a real defense of this? I'm skeptical that they do, considering... I'm skeptical they have a defense of some of it, considering the pictures we've seen from Blizzard. I don't know what's going on at, like... It's interesting. You're not hearing... I mean, I, I don't know if I'm missing it, but you're not hearing much about, like, Raven or Treyarch or Beanox or any of the other former current studios. It's really Blizzard and Activision... The publisher so i'll be interested to see more we'll be keeping an eye out like i said earlier in the show we'll probably have rick on soon again to just kind of reassess everything with all the new information because unfortunately when we put that video up like a day or two later there was a whole new deluge another chapter as it were so we'll keep an eye out for that
0: angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well i absolutely love this because you know if you own a home it can be really hard to maintain it's hard to find
1: All right, guys, uh, abandoned real time experience only for PlayStation five. This apparently has been published and I was reading there. I'll get it later this weekend. I don't care right now, but I was reading their tweet from just a few hours ago when we were recording this and it says the real time experience is live to preload worldwide, except for Japan and China. For those who can't find the app, here are some instructions in the PS store. Head over to collections, then abandoned. And then you like. So you have to like go into this weird. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. We have this letter from uh, Zach Apuzo said, dear blue bald bitches. Blue box has once again, stirred the pot with their latest Twitter stunt. How in any stretch of the imagination is the blurred eye patch wearing man behind the abandoned logo, not Big Boss or Venom or Solidus Snake? What is going on here? Also, the blurred letters above the abandoned logo could very well spell. Welcome to Silent Hill in a very Kojima-esque style. What is going on here? He asks again. Now, the weirder thing about this, when I saw that picture, I was like, yeah, I was like, so when I saw that picture, I was so mad. Yeah, that I I was like, "Come," because I'm not even a huge Metal Gear fan anymore. And I'm like, come on, man, that's big boss. Like, that's big boss. And then someone sent me an image of a man with an eye patch from the Epic Game Store. And it is that character. So not only are they using again, a pre-made asset which no games do that are worth anything that pl- like PlayStation would want or whatever but they made it so that he looks like a metal gear character that everyone knows uh chris what are your thoughts now
3: it's infuriating uh like i was also just annoyed like it's it's almost like i don't even believe this is kojima anymore because it's too annoying <laughs> you know like it's not yeah, it's de- an interesting point. it's devoid of joy for me it's irritating the fact that they still have this fucking tweet like that's uh, what is it pinned to to their profile that's like we want to set things straight we have no relations with Konami Silent Hill is owned by Konami it's like that's still their 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 main tweet the one that's pinned to the top of the profile and they're like here's a blurry guy with an eye patch I it's I don't like these guys whatever whatever this is I don't care like sincerely like it's it's annoying at this point it's not cute. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It's just, it's just a nuisance.
1: Stop it. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree with you. It's my mind kind of went there too, where I'm like, Kojima wouldn't be this annoying, like, and this obvious. This isn't fun. Like, this isn't, this isn't something. Like, I don't know. You look at I mean, him. The, the patches. I actually look. The patches even on the right side, like the the proper side for Big Boss. So. Dustin, where's your mind on the abandoned real-time experience only for PlayStation 4? So I downloaded the
2: app, the preload for the app uh, today, and it uses the same uh, images from the asset flip that Hassan said, oh no, that's just uh, something cheap we put together. Uh, Then why are you still using the images from it on on the app that you're so excited about? That doesn't make any sense. So... With this big boss thing, people have now began to speculate like, well, maybe this goes beyond just Silent Hill. Maybe this goes to, you know, Abandon means uh, the Abandoned IP from Konami. And this is Sony's mm. marketing stunt to be like, yo, we got Metal Gear, the Blue Point remake we've been hearing. Here it is. Here is Silent Hills and it's partnering with Kojima. Here it is. Big conspiracy. Theory. Big conspiracy theory stuff here. Like this Keep that's like more. full on full on metal, you know, tin foil hat stuff. You gotta be careful though. I mean Dude, the thing with the hat... they're either we, we've been saying this over and over again, but I think it's important to iterate. Either uh you know, this is the craziest weird meta level marketing that has ever happened, or Hassan is a fucking idiot and is just like burning the earth to the ground and is ready to be, uh, I I don't want to say like we, we wouldn't wish harassment or attacks on anybody, but when you do this stuff, it's like, I, I at least understand why it's happening.
1: So I don't know, but it just needs to happen at this point. Konami is coming back to life. We see it. And, uh, there's something interesting, Chris, that that I noticed on uh, on the abandoned. So it's the abandoned real time experience only for PS5. Now, I've put out two trailers or multiple trailers for the two games I've worked on. We use the logos. The logos have their own trademark things after them, and you have to keep them all in. There's all these rules. But they at the bottom of their trailer, it's they have the you know circular copyright 2021 blue box game studios. And then it says PlayStation Family Mark and PS5 logo. Are registered trademarks, or, or trademarks, or trademarks? What I don't know. Sony at, at Interactive Entertainment Inc. And I'm like, that's something Sony puts on the bottom of their of the trailers that they like approve and that they stamp themselves that are not necessarily from their own IP. So they are involved in this. Like, I feel like their silence on this. if I were them, I'd be I'd, I'd come out and say like, we need to. People are going to be really mad if this isn't what it is, and if you see a partner doing this shit over and over again, at some point, you've got to be like, you can't, like, I don't know what you're thinking. Your game has nothing to do with this stuff. And now you put out an image of basically big boss and text. That looks like it does say, welcome to silent hill above it. Like, I don't, I don't know what else, what else to say here. So it, I am also angry about this, but I am so intrigued by it because I feel like it's got to be something. I, and I can't help but put the equation together. Like, this vaunted August event we said might have been delayed because of Call of Duty and all these other things. Konami coming back to life, another. And that's why I kept I kept telling you, Dustin, to keep going, keep going, because what would be the next franchise to come up would be Castlevania. And there is a recent ratings leak for a Castlevania collection that they've not right. acknowledged. So it could be part of that as well. And I don't know. Right. Well, Sony... I don't, I don't know.
2: Sony has stepped in, uh, specifically that uh, Symphony of the Night port with Rondo of Blood. That was a Sony-specific port uh, because yeah, they they paid, used, they paid for it and they used the... I want to say it was like the PSP version of something, but... So Sony has had their, you know, their their filthy little hands on Castlevania recently in some capacity.
1: And Metal Gear was a PlayStation-centric or PlayStation-exclusive franchise from Metal Gear Solid to Metal Gear Solid 4, so it's not like they don't have some sort of connection there. The games came out later to Xbox. The original Metal Gear I don't think ever came out on anything else other than like the original Metal Gear Solid. Obviously, Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 are different games. So they have a relationship there. They're well established with each other. Of course, Konami is friendly with everyone. The Castlevania Advanced and DS games are Nintendo games, so we'll see what happens. But I don't know. I just don't know. And, and, but there's more cause Nick M wrote in and said, y'all see Norman Reedus, Instagram post with him and Robbie, the rabbit from silent Hill. Chris, I did. I did
3: see it. It's, it's a really unsettling image too. Cause it's like the, the, uh, what is it? The resolution of it is so fucked. I don't know, man. I'm just annoyed. I don't care. Just like, just, just tell us what the fuck. I don't, I I'm tired of the game. You know, the meta game here. It's not fun. It's drawn out. It's too windy, and there's no way, look, let's, there is no way that whatever this is is going to be worth this amount of, like, just tedium. Like, it's just, even if it's, like, some insane shit, like, oh, hey, here's a, here's a Konami collection, it's fully remastered, it's like, okay, cool, like, I I don't know, I don't know what, what, what do you think they think justifies this? You know, because I I can't imagine it. I really can't. Maybe that's just me, but
1: I, I can't help but also avoid this this thing with Twitter guys where I've interacted in my I've been in the industry for like almost 20 years. I've interacted with a lot of people from around the world. I've interacted with a whole lot of Japanese people, Japanese native speakers and Japanese people that learn English and kind of the awkwardness of English spoken by different people around the world. Right. And how that kind of plays out. And that's just. That's just the way it is. Right. So Mm -hmm. a European learning English might sound or make certain mistakes. A Japanese person learning English might sound a little bit differently and and make some different mistakes. And I say that only because if you read the Twitter account, it reads like someone writing English from, you know how we make fun of Japanese, like the translations for Japanese shit all the time, like uh, please be excited and all of that. I guess that's what I'm saying. If you read their Twitter account, it reads like that. Like All content from the real time experience can be found online, can also be found online on YouTube and from our website as a HQ video. But we recommend PS5 owners to experience all of it through the app for the best experience. This, you know, you don't understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it's written a little weirdly. Right. And it's written in the weird kind of English is in your native language kind of situation. And Hassan that we saw. Speaks English much more effortlessly than that. It's not as awkward you know so I just made that connection too and I thought it was interesting I don't know if it's true or not but I don't know it's fu- it's fun I-, I agree with you guys the stakes are so high now that it must be something big or it it is going to be disastrous yeah. for them I don't no, none about no one else it's not going to be disastrous for anyone else but them so something to keep in mind oh Dustin what did you think of the uh Norman Reedus thing so right this this rabbit character apparently from silent hill well the
2: weird thing about that post was it looks like he screen captured it because you can see there's like a an instagram branding thing on it that appears twice like a button almost I, i don't remember exactly what it is so yeah yeah so he either saw it and was like "Ooh, this would be fun to post but he didn't i don't think he credited whoever did it it was just like slightly odd and it's like I don't know, maybe Norman Reedus is totally out of the loop, but I also don't really believe that either. I doubt you that. You know. Yeah, so and well people were like, "Oh, look, Kojima liked it. Liked the the picture." And I'm like, how much you want to bet Kojima likes all of his stuff? Kojima has his boys that he he and he supports his boys, you know. He goes he goes out for them. So I'm willing to bet that Kojima liked all of his tweets or his his Instagram posts. Maybe not though.
1: Yeah. Okay. One other thing I wanted to bring up here. There are a couple other things I wanted to bring up, I guess. We'll let Anu Sakani introduce it, though. He says, Heidi Ho, Sacred Symbols Crew. The existence of a new studio was confirmed. That's No Moon from Activision and PlayStation alumni. They also confirmed their first game will be a narrative driven third person action adventure title, and they also received a hundred million dollar investment from Smilegate. I have to ask, what do you think they're cooking up? The name has some people guessing this is a Star Wars game, but I'm always down for a new IP myself. Keep up the phenomenal work, you three. Much love from the Pacific Northwest. So the That's No Moon, of course, is a a reference to Star Wars The New Hope. I don't think that 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 means that it's a Star Wars studio. I actually think it's a it's a I think it's a pretty bad name, actually. I agree. But uh, I think it's annoying. Yeah, but Smilegate is a Korean, uh, Korean publisher of games, very big and well respected over there. And of course, they have their tendrils and stuff over here. We know them most for Crossfire and a lot of the stuff that's happening with Xbox, but they founded the studio and I was looking at it. There is some there are some notable people in it. Taylor Kuros- Kurosaki is there and he was a longtime Naughty Dog exec that worked on Uncharted and The Last of Us. Michael Mumbauer's over there and you might remember him. He was the director of basically the Phantom San Diego studio that was working on The Last of Us remake and Uncharted and all that weird shit that never happened. So he's kind of been like in a directorial role. So there's a lot of people over there. Dustin, does this do anything for you? I was originally going to write it up. And then I'm like, I don't I don't want to be your marketing tool to get people hyped for your studio. That's going to release a game in four years. We'll, We'll let everyone know you exist. But right. I don't know that it's more notable than that.
2: My I think we I mean, we touched on it. the name. I just don't I like names that are like an homage to something. This one is too on the nose for me. Like, I feel like maybe no moon studios would have been better. But I don't know. It's it's just a name. So it doesn't really
1: matter. That's true. And I've said in the past that Naughty... I, I hate the term, not name Naughty Dog. I hate it. Yeah, I don't it, really like it that. It doesn't you know. mean... It doesn't um, mean... Yeah. It, well, because I just... I don't know. It, it. I don't like that name, but... I kind of do. Chris, what do you make of this uh, That's No Moon
3: studio? I mean, what do we have to go on, you know? Like, uh, they say they're making a narrative-driven third-person action-adventure title, which sounds like... Sounds like a PlayStation game, so... I mean... I don't know. Like, I don't know what what I can be. I can't be excited. I can't even. I can't even really be disinterested. It's almost like a. It's almost like a lack of anything that I feel, especially with the name. Granted, not that big of a deal, but I can't. I I can't get that excited or or interested in this. This is just the same thing as all these other studios that are announced like way before there's really anything to show. It's like just tell me when you got something. I don't. Whatever. At least they didn't like. At least this wasn't like some kind of like big thing. It wasn't like, hey, that's no moon. We're here. We're on the scene now. At least it wasn't like that. And it was just like, all right, here's you know, this exists. But I, you know, I don't care about this at all. Maybe I'll care when they have something.
1: But they did do a. uh, I I agree with you, Chris, because they did do a very focused, or seemed to do a very focused reveal of the studio to games industry publications right. like games industry Biz and others where because there's like a really pretentious picture i don't know if you guys saw of like the 20 or that of them or whatever like in a, in a warehouse and so it's like it's cool also there's like they're all wearing like really dark colors and then one guy is wearing a blue like a bright white bluish button down and it annoys the shit out of me like he didn't get the memo that they were clearly <laughs> all supposed to wear dark clothes for the picture but yeah i agree we'll see what happens i'm actually most interested because of not only the talent involved which is neither here nor there really we'll see what they can do together but smilegate is a a totally welcome company to continue to invest south korean yeah crossfire is very well regarded and it seems like they are getting they want to get involved in making core games themselves obviously they're working with remedy on a core game in the crossfire universe but i thought that that was kind of nice on on the back of a bunch of bad news about malign investors getting involved it's cool too it's like oh smile gates here you know, yeah with yeah a hundred million dollars quaint but something chris this one's for you too uh just to remind everyone back for blood open beta starts soon ps4 and ps5 if you have playstation plus you can start playing on august 12th but if you pre-order the game you can start playing on august 5th are you gonna get involved chris oh absolutely
3: absolutely without a doubt i'm so excited i'll probably get wait for the uh for it to uh for the open beta to start because i just try not to pre-order things but no, I'm looking way forward to this. Like, uh <laughs> this this looks so good. I hope it, I hope it's as fun as it looks. That's my one thing. It's like you you can never really tell with like trailers and stuff. It's always it's all about the way something feels. So like it could it looks the part. It looks like a new Left for Dead. I'm excited about it. I just hope they can nail that uh
1: the the feel of it. What are you feeling, Dustin? Are you uh, interested in this? Yeah.
2: Game? So I'm with Chris. I'm not going to do the pre-order for the early access but dude i saw there's a new trailer that they put out announcing this open beta and it just looks so fun it showed like the some of the the humans versus zombies mode which is like amazing in left 4 dead i loved that mode and i uh, i'm just already thinking about the getting eight people together to do the the humans versus zombies is going to be super fun so i'm excited check it out chris i wanted to
3: kick it back to you too I, i saw did you get into the halo test uh i did that's supposed to go live later today so we'll see okay so it hasn't happened it it hasn't hasn't happened happened so you've
1: gotten your your invite or whatever and and so are you excited
3: yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm curious i've been waiting for this for a long time so we'll see how that we'll see how it goes i'll be i'll be blunt as hell uh, about it. I'm it's sure going to suck. Anything else. It's going to be yeah.
2: horrible. It's going to be the worst game ever.
3: <laughs> Definitely
2: not related it. to the fact that they didn't invite me, um, but you know, you're going to have a horrible weekend. It's not going to live up to your dreams. Sorry.
3: I'm fully no. expecting it not even to it's it's probably not even going to load for like the first day, you know? It seems yeah. like one of those where it's like people are going to
1: be breaking this thing.
3: So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to
1: it. Well, We'll check in with you next week. Yeah. And- Get a better taste take on that, but or a better informed take on that as opposed to just your promise of bluntness, which of course you will be. Finally, I thought you guys might enjoy this. Sean Mason wrote in and said, hey, CDC, who will be the last man standing in video game titles? John Madden or Tom Clancy? (laughs) Chris, so Tom Clancy's dead. John Madden's not dead, but he will die soon. He's got to (laughs) be. I mean, let's see here. John Madden. Oh, uh, 85 he was born in 1936 he's 85 so he might be healthy i mean maybe he's got five i I, I know you were just i know
3: you were just stating a fact but just like john madden will die
1: (laughs) (laughs) the mortality of john madden is guaranteed not for debate so madden is huge it's the second biggest ea sports franchise behind fifa and then of course uh tom clancy is everything for ubisoft dustin who's going to survive longer like so play it out decades will people be playing tom clancy's or would they be playing Madden NFL? Man. Fart noise. Insert name or number where fart noise was. I mean, Madden. John
2: Madden still has time to do something horrible that could, uh, you know, get him, you know, outed like Tiger. Well, they put Tiger Woods back on the games. They took him off for a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, he signed with Two K. Yeah.
1: And remember was... he used to do EA, so it was like a big, it's a big. So he's We're back. gonna talk about that in a little while, actually.
2: But. I, my gut says we will see more Tom Clancy games than John Madden. I think John Madden give it, you know, after he dies, maybe another 10 years and then he'll be, he'll be out, but you know, maybe they'll replace him with someone
1: else, for, or, but he's such a legacy with that brand too. That's what but, I'm saying. Like, I, 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 I don't, don't know about that because people don't, people call, you know, FIFA, NHL, Madden. Right. Right? Like, like they don't call it NFL football or NFL. They call it Madden. I don't think I actually totally I think Madden will be the name forever. I I think Tom Clancy might stick around for. I think we're looking at decades out, by the way, these names still being used. Chris, what what is your take on this Madden versus? Clancy. I, I think Madden will definitely
3: will definitely outlast because because Tom Clancy is so clearly a name, you know, and I feel like at some point they might actually be like, ah, ah, you know, it's probably, we're not really seeing any benefit from using Tom Clancy's name because what benefit really could there be at this point? Especially because they continue to devalue what that branding even means. Like, I almost feel like they're working, I almost feel like they're intentionally devaluing the brand so they can stop using it, almost. Because it's like, why not just The Division? Like, why not, uh, you know, whatever this new, whatever, why not... <laughs> whatever i
1: can't even think of the other fucking what is it rainbow six is it tom clancy's rainbow six it's not right yeah that's the no it is that's the point is that all of these things are because remember it it began with like more it it began with the clancy classics right like red storm rising i mean that's where red storm entertainment came from yeah and we had stuff like hunt for red october and like the clancy classics and then yeah they started getting in because he wrote rainbow six he wrote all this other stuff and that's where all these series come from but i think you're right chris because i think this is the key point in what i was saying to dustin no one as far as i know i i started playing clancy games probably with rainbow six and rainbow six three especially on xbox no one in my life ever called it like oh you want to play clancy or you want to play tom clancy's rainbow six or you want to play broken you, you say like you want to play socom like in in that world right yeah. you want to play siege you want to play madden you know it's 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 like Kleenex, right? Yeah. It's just Madden means football game.
3: You could could actually argue that Madden means football more than football does because football to a lot of Mm. people means soccer. Yes. But no one thinks that Madden means anything else other than American football, which is a terrifying realization that I just had.
1: That's an excellent point. Excellent point. And very true yeah yeah we should almost start it as a vernacular just referring to it as madden so people know what we're talking about <laughs> so i don't have to use words like footy oh or my anything God. It, i'm not saying that no well no. i just did say it i guess so it's a little late footy yeah that's what Yikes. you know that's like a that's like a, n- a nickname for soccer you know football right. fo- footy
2: well if soccer is footy then does that make football handy in a way
1: oh man let have know. contempt I for this
2: conversation. conversation something to think about something to think about
1: <laughs> speaking of contempt how much contempt? i mean i read what you said but how much contempt did that fish picture and that video <laughs> of the fish colin i tweeted this video dude yeah. colin sent me this f- horrifying image of a
3: fish with like human teeth and i've seen keep in mind i've seen oh. i've seen images of this before like i'm no stranger to the internet i know what google is but to just have that f- foisted upon me with no context you just ta- you just said my name that was it just to alert yeah, just me to, and it's a video a video not just a, a, a you know a low res image a video of a man like with a knife like just like pulling its gums up to, to get like a good look at like it's it's such a heinous fucking creation that i it ruined my day quite frankly like it just like completely like
1: offset the every good vibe that i had that day it just like when i sorry away. i didn't mean I didn't mean to uh, do that to you. I, I watched that video a hundred times, probably just I, just in mesmeration. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That fish has human teeth. Yeah, it has human teeth. Yeah, they're disgusting, as is
3: anything that comes out of the ocean. Yeah, quite frankly, like it's it's a it's a just
1: a sick, sick place. I'm bad. I'm glad to rather beat that horse into the ground and just remind everyone. And I'll throw it into the ocean itself. The fucking corpse of the horse. Because I don't care about the ocean, I've said before it should boil away, and so all of the creatures (laughs) in it are killed, and only then will we have true freedom on this planet. Dustin, look at the video if you want, if you dare. No, no, I'm
2: good. I, you know, I momentarily went to Twitter and then thought, do I really need that in my life today? And the answer, no. Don't
3: worry, Dustin. I'll send it to you.
2: Okay, and at like 2 a.m. text from Chris.
1: (laughs) Yeah, send it at the (laughs) most inopportune time, please. (laughs) I will. All right, guys. Let's get into what we're playing. Chris, we'll kick it over to you. It says you're playing Dying Light.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still, still jumping into Dying Light. Still uh, doing some co op with some friends of mine over on PC. Just because, you know, I got a lot of uh, planning to do. I'm moving soon, so, and also just I'm, I'm super busy outside of that. So like I, I keep trying to start a Plague Tale, but I can just tell, like I'm just like I'm never like. I got to start it when I'm like in a good zone and I have like a a night that's free of worry, which is very rare just so I can like sit down and absorb it because I know it's a very atmosphere heavy experience and I'm fully expecting to, you know, not necessarily be grabbed by a gameplay first experience when I play a Plague Tale. So I need to tailor myself to that, but I'm working towards it. But for right now, I'm still playing Dying Light co-op it's fun, man. Like I'm, I, it kind of bothers me that it took me this long to realize how fun it was because Colin would always talk about it. And I tried it a while ago and I don't know, I wasn't feeling it. Like it was just the single player was like, the story was just a little annoying. It got in my way a lot, but playing with friends is like sincerely freeing because it doesn't, you don't have to worry about what the game's trying to tell you is like a narrative it's like it lets you focus on the gameplay and the gameplay is really strong and it's it's really enjoyable it's such a good free roam game as well like you just feel so free to move around and it's engaging and like melee combat feels so good i wish more games would copy that melee combat because it, it feels so chunky and like meaty it's so good but I don't have anything else that new to say about it. I'm not that much further into it. Uh, I really spend a lot of my time dicking around and just jumping and
1: doing stupid, hardcore parkour around this. That's the the best part of the game. Dude, I mean, when that game came out, I was I said it at the time I was it was when we had just started kind of funny. I think I was like, this game is extraordinary. (laughs) Like, I don't know why. And it, it, it has quietly sold like 10 million copies or something. So it's like a huge hit. But. I was like, this game is more fun than it seems and more fun than it has the right to be. And I think that gameplay, it's just shot. Like when you hear about it and you're like, it's first person parkour and you have to use the triggers and and I'm like, oh, my God, I I actually remember turning it on and immediately trying to change the controls because I was like, that just doesn't even sound right to me. And then you realize, as I've said in the past, when let the game suggest to you how it wants you to play, because you find that that is the most natural motion and this game is all about the motion of grabbing and stuff like that and it's it's great and you know what else is cool about it i i think it's supposed to take place in turkey or like a turkish like place and you don't see games take place in a middle eastern or let's say more mediterranean type yeah setting so i like that i'm glad you're enjoying it and we'll keep an eye out for the sequel which comes out in december if all things go according to plan long time in coming Dustin, you're playing a trio of games, so I'll let you read them off right. and um, talk about them at your leisure.
2: Sure. So I finished Plague Tale, and this game kind of got worse by the end. And what's funny is when I tweeted about finishing it, I found that to be a very common thing is that a lot of people were saying like, yeah, it becomes more frustrating. It leans more into its gameplay, which is the weakest part of the, the game, unfortunately. And can become very frustrating. It is still, I think, if you are into stealth and are intrigued by the setting and the world, it is a game worth playing, for sure. I really like the story, and most of all, I'm excited for the sequel where they can kind of iron out some of these things that weren't so good about uh, the original. But either way, it's a it's a nice double-A experience that won't take you too long that... You know, if you're interested, check it out, but maybe not for everybody. The other games that I'm playing are two indie games, uh, one of them being Trigger Witch, which that game is out now, right, Colin? So yeah. we can talk, we can yeah, fully that... talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So this game is a twin stick shooter that is about uh, a group of witches that no longer use magic, but they use guns instead. And it is really fun. It has like this nice, almost Zelda-esque overworld where you're going around and it's uh, it's good. It's very like the twin stick shooting. That's the one thing that I was like, okay, is this... Sometimes I've played some twin stick games where I'm like, eh, this isn't really doing it quite for me. But it's nice in the way that you unlock new weapons as you go and as you play and then you can kind of like vary up your, your play style. And Colin, this is one that you're playing as well right now, right?
1: Yeah, I'm only five hours in or whatever, so I'm about halfway to the platinum. I'll talk a little bit more about why that is. But yeah, I'm very I'm charmed by this game. It is written by a friend of the show, John O'Peck, and put out by friends of the show Rainbite. And they put out Reverie, which was their previous game and a game I really loved. It was kind of like a mini Zelda and like a bite sized Zelda game. And it was awesome. Trigger which is longer and meatier, but I find it very charming. I find the characterizations really good. I find the writing really well done and the gameplay is engaging. I actually think I stopped it because I was just frustrated one night and I think I was just getting tired where I couldn't find a key that I needed or something in some place I was in. and I was like, I'll just deal with this another time. But I really like it. And I think it's 15 bucks, which I feel is a totally appropriate price for a game like that, if anything, a little cheap for what it right. is. So. Yeah, very well done to them, and I, I'm wishing them the best on that that project. And it's worth noting right, that that's one right. of the very few games we accepted early codes for because we are friends.
2: The other them. game I decided to pick up on a whim, and it's called Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights, which is... A, I've heard good things about this one. It's a bit of a name there, but what intrigued me about this is I saw this on the PlayStation store, and I was like, this looks kind of cool. It's got a, a nice anime aesthetic that isn't too much in your face, but it looks pleasant. And so... I went to the Steam page and saw that it had overwhelmingly positive reviews. And I thought, well, no one I've really heard. I haven't seen anyone tweet or talk about this game. I'm just going to give it a go. And this game is very good. Really fun. It's a Metroidvania game that reminds me a lot of either Castlevania or even um, Bloodstained. And, and Holo- no, it Dude, it's yeah. got a lot of elements of, you know, Hollow Knight, uh, Castlevania, things like that. The The core mechanic about it is that you play this little girl and the little girl doesn't actually do any of the attacks. It's these like uh, these like spirit ghost guys that hang around her that actually do the attacks. And so as you play, you unlock more spirits that can come along with you. And so... You have like a main attack that you can, I have like two different ones that you can switch between two different spirits. And then you have interchangeable secondary attacks that you unlock either throughout the world or by beating bosses. And so it's really has this interesting level of customization where you can have different spirits and you can level them up separately. And they do, they have different types. Like one might be like an AOE type attack, One might be, like, I have one that's like a bird that flies around me and shoots stuff at people. But it's surprisingly pretty, at some points, pretty difficult as well. Uh, But what's nice is that it does have a lot of RPG-type mechanics, so if you're getting, you know, totally destroyed, you can go level up a bit and then come back. But for fans of Metroidvanias or fans of Hollow Knight, this is definitely one to check out. I think it's $25. Um, I'm about three or four hours in, and I'm very much
1: enjoying it. It looks great, and it's one of those games, that we, like we say, we try to say every game's name once or twice on the show, at least letting people know it's announced and when it's coming out in the wrap-up at the end of the news. And this is a game that, just, that was one of those names, and... Yeah, so a few people pointed me towards it as well, and it looks great. And it reminded me a lot of Hollow Knight. I was clickety clacking over here because I was trying to figure out what you're describing. I don't know which Castlevania it is because they're all kind of the same on GBA and DS, but, or they all blur blur together anyway. But there's one of them where you find, when you beat enemies, they drop cards and you equip the cards on you and they attack on your behalf. Oh. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, so it reminds me a little bit of that. So it looks like that game is, this game is kind of inspired. I think this game's, clearly inspired by Hollow Knight although I don't want to make necessarily make that assumption but it sounds like maybe they took that kind of castlevania that one Castlevania games passive attack system and put it in here as well it look I mean I'm, I'm looking at the video of it right now on Steam it looks awesome yeah
2: it's dude the, the, it's clear the Hollow Knight inspiration the fact that all of the not all of them but many of the save points are like benches which I'm pretty sure that's exact Hollow Knight like he you sit at like a bench and rest for a moment um, they're not all benches in this game, but I, it, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, it's good. I like it. I think it's on switch also. It's like available. I don't know if it's on Xbox, but it's all over the place. I got it on, on PlayStation though. So
1: this looks like a really right good now. switch game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It would, it looks like it would be a great on switch. All right. The, uh, so I'm playing two games right now. One I'm playing is perils of baking, which is my studio Lillimo's first game, but I didn't work on it. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but we're we're basically redoing a bunch of it. And so I'm playing through it, kind of trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I I, I was talking to Barry a couple of days ago because I had a total revelation when I was playing it the other night in bed. And so we're excited about that. So I'm just messing around with that on Vita because I never platinumed it there. And yeah, otherwise I'm playing Trigger Witch. But I must say the last week or 10 days, I've not played very much at all. And mm-hmm. it's one of those moments where I think I talked about it on the last on last week's show, certainly somewhere else. But I just don't feel like playing very much right now. I'm not into it. I have a lot of anxiety right now. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to take like my CBD and like my, you know, uh, all the rest and my meds, obviously, but just feeling like anxious and in my head. So I've been really looking for ways to calm down and and just be at peace. And uh, when I'm not working. And so what I've been doing is just doing a lot of um cataloging of my gi joes and all of that in at night for like hours and i'll put on my like my i'll put on my headphones and listen to like these youtube channels that i shouldn't be listening to or watching like there's this one called fresh and fit which is like for like it's like this podcast in miami of like you know hot people that like you know <laughs> it's like totally above my head but it's interesting to see how these people live and then uh, i brought up Kevin Samuels before which is like for a black audience basically or mostly and I just love that dude's show I think it's fucking hysterical even though I don't know if it's supposed to be and uh, so I just been listening so I just been finding relaxation and solace in different ways outside of games and I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping back in because there, it, I'm starting to feel that hunger again which happens after a week or two of being away where you're looking forward to playing certain things and I think the game that will fully bring me back is Tales but that's a while so, you know five or six weeks away. All right, boys, let's get into the news. Some big news this week, especially for PlayStation, some positive news. Let's start with number one. PlayStation 5 has surpassed another sales milestone. According to a press release from Sony, the console launched in November of 2020 has surpassed 10 million units sold. Veronica Rogers, PlayStation's SVP of global sales and business ops, noted in part, quote, pushing through supply challenges and a global pandemic. We're proud to have delivered a transformational gaming experience that is captivating captivating players around the world, end quote. Meanwhile, the brand's CEO, the sometimes controversial Jim Ryan, said in part, quote, While PS5 has reached more households faster than any of our previous consoles, we still have a lot of work ahead of us as demand for PS5 continues to outstrip supply. I want gamers to know that while we continue to face unique challenges throughout the world that affect our industry and many others, improving inventory levels has remained a top priority for SIE, end quote. At $10 sold in about eight months on the market, PlayStation 5 has already outsold consoles like Saturn, Dreamcast, and TurboGrafx-16 and sets Sega's original console the Master System in its site next, along with the Wii U, which it should pass in lifetime sales in the next few months. For its part, Microsoft's rival Xbox Series X and S consoles are also selling at a brisk pace. According to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, quote, The Xbox Series S and X are our fastest-selling consoles ever, with more consoles sold life-to-date than any previous generation during the same time frame. We're all in on games, unquote Microsoft continues to stubbornly avoid talking specific numbers. It hasn't regularly spoken about hardware sales since its monthly tradition back in the Xbox 360 days. But in the no guesses place Xbox Series X and S at around 6.5 million sold, 35% behind PS5. Like Sony, Microsoft also laments supply issues, though evidence indicates that these issues appear to be lifting, at least when it comes to Xbox Series S, which is fairly easy to find. Xbox's three previous consoles, the original Xbox from 2001, 2005's Xbox 360 and 2013's Xbox One sold 24 million, 84 million, and 50 million, respectively. PS1, PS2, PS3, and PS4 sold 102 million, 155 million, 87 million, and 115 million, respectively. And PS4 itself is still selling alongside PS5. Brock Smith wrote into us and said, When Sony said they projected to sell 14 million consoles before year's end, I chuffed and said no way, but they announced 10 million sold before the end of July, and now I must say, It seems my dismissive, my, my dismissiveness was premature. What say you all? Chris, what do you think about these strong sales numbers? The fastest selling PlayStation and maybe home console ever so far?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's surprising given, you know, the, (laughs) just the state of the world and and even just like, um, with the supply constraints taken into account, the fact that they've been able to do this is actually like super impressive. I wonder, I, I wonder how long this will carry but there's no doubt that that's those are impressive that's that's impressive shit like sincerely like especially especially when you consider the fact that like i feel like i feel like this happens every time a new console comes out but like everybody always says like ah, you know who's really going to buy a new console it's like it turns out everybody
1: yeah. <laughs> it turns out it turns out literally all people <laughs> like basically so it's cool what do you think dustin about these strong sales
2: yeah i mean chris hit it totally right on the head with the fact that they were the fact they were able to do this during not only covid but in addition to chip shortage which is in relation to covid i mean think about the chip shortage and the fact that it's not just playstation or or game consoles like it's so bad that it's affected the auto industry very heavily to the point where the car that i bought last year used is worth more now than what i bought it for because the car market is so fucked up and some of that may be but not exactly chip related but i know a lot of it there. not no kidding. it is
1: as far as i know there are like tens of thousands of cars in like michigan and other places sitting on like on racetracks and shit yeah waiting for like chips right they're done so yeah. and i'm sorry i also want yeah. to say that i think a lot of those companies furloughed their workers because they can't they don't need to build anymore they, they can't right yeah
2: so the fact that sony was able to pull off that many is just awesome you gotta wonder how many would they have sold if there was no supply or would have just all been sold through faster you gotta imagine that they may have lost some sales in the fact that some people were like well i can buy an xbox today uh and i'm tired of waiting to get a ps5 maybe i'll get one at some other point surely that's happened so they're probably like, you know, very happy, popping champagne or whatever, but they're also in the back of their mind, like, if, what if we could have just gotten a few more, you know?
1: Definitely. I, I am amazed about this from multiple angles. And I do, before I put, go in deeper into my own thoughts, I did want to bring in two other questions. And I wanted to read these at the same time because they are opposite sides of the same coin. Bobby Regal wrote in and said, hey, boys, Sony just recently announced that 10 million PlayStation fives have been sold. While that's undoubtedly impressive, I think it's more important to look at how many of those PS5s are actually in the hands of the players. It's neither a secret nor a surprise that scalpers and bots have been scooping them up the literal second they're alive through retailers. I'd be interested to see how many PSN accounts have registered with a PlayStation 5. Thoughts? And then Tristan Wilbur says, With the news of 10 million PS5 consoles sold, how long can we expect until the narrative that scalpers are stealing all the consoles go away? Every single announcement or sales report is met with passive aggressive comments saying how most of those are from scalpers, even though it's realistically likely barely a fraction. I'm convinced that even after supply is satiated, people will continue this narrative that Sony is somehow not keeping up despite the sales numbers still being truly impressive, getting into the millions of gamers homes thoughts. So I wanted to bring this up because I see this argument, too, and it's just I just want to remind people and I'm not attacking Bobby here specifically, but this argument that that scalpers are coming in and taking these consoles and then not reselling them is brain dead. It makes no sense. People need to stop making the argument. It makes no sense. PlayStation 5s are getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper on the aftermarket. Why would you hold it? It's not like you're buying a toy and keeping it in a package or like a a valuable set of Pokemon cards or Magic the Gathering cards or something. It is an electronic. It's one of the few things that needs to be sold quickly or it loses its value. So I, I think the scalper thing, while not overstated from people's frustration and maybe not being mitigated well enough, scalpers might be getting them, but they're selling them. Yeah, yeah. They're still selling them. We hear from people all the time buying them from scalpers. So it's not that scalpers are, are accounting for X, Y or Z. We don't know. It's just like people think that the scalpers are buying them and then just sitting on them. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. So I wanted to say that from the top. But these numbers are impressive. We've already said it from a. Uh, A device point of view, manufacture, the chip shortages, COVID itself, the fractured nature of how COVID forced companies to begin dealing with all these things. I mean, they had to put the console out essentially not together as a company, you know, like from their houses and shit. I mean, that's that's a lot. And I remember reading, I think it was Jim Ryan gave an interview about how like engineers had to figure this shit out from afar, like they can't work together in in their in their lab environments and all the rest. So from that perspective, it's amazing, too. And then I think it's even more amazing because I don't think there's any must have games on PlayStation five. And I've said that before. Like, I think PlayStation five has great games. I think it's an awesome machine. I own two. but There's three in this house because Micah has one as well. But I still feel like that's maybe the most impressive thing is of all is that there is nothing that I think is like a killer app. And in fact, we'll talk about sales numbers in a little while where it seems like PS5's audience agrees, which makes it even weirder. So from all of those perspectives, I think it's notable. 10 million is huge. It'll pass Wii U in lifetime sales in under a year. And uh, we'll be trucking on to pass. I think next up would be like GameCube and Xbox in the early to mid 20s will be the next one that they pass. And congratulations to Microsoft, too. They're, They're doing great. It's just that, again, the numbers comparatively are not suitable for them to announce them outright, which is why they don't and why people have to kind of do the math and figure it out themselves. And the the number 6.5 is the number that I think a lot of people are kind of settling on. Mm. So 35% distant. And I brought up the numbers also. If you want to compare the two brands, the highest selling Xbox console has never sold better than the lowest selling PlayStation console. And so it's like comparing two different things. And I think people need to start isolating and alien or not alienating, but isolating and and, uh, segregating these two ideas. Microsoft, it seems like Clearly, they want subscriptions. I don't think they care too much about the hardware. And I've been saying that over and over again. And maybe if the hardware continues to lag, in quotes, maybe they'll come over to PlayStation like I've been predicting that they will make a catered Game Pass for PlayStation in the future years. All right. There was some data that was included in this, guys, about software. I wanted to read that as well. Number two. In addition to outrageously strong hardware numbers, Sony also reported software numbers. One of our very first glimpses, and how PlayStation 5 games in particular are selling. The biggest game of the bunch is no doubt the PlayStation 5 launch game Spider-Man Miles Morales, which was also released on PlayStation 4. Insomniac's superhero title has sold more than 6.5 million copies. Meanwhile, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, also from Insomniac, pushed 1.1 million copies in its first six weeks on PlayStation 5. Sony's newest studio, Housemark, delivered the cult-hit PlayStation 5-exclusive shooter Returnal in late April, and that game is nearing 600,000 copies sold. And finally, San Diego Studios' annualized baseball game MLB The Show 21 has passed 2 million copies sold, with more than 2 million additional players via Xbox Game Pass. Sony's second-party partner Kojima Productions likewise revealed sales of its 2019 PlayStation 4 exclusive that later came to PC, Death Stranding. The unusual delivery game has surpassed 5 million copies across both platforms, with the director's cut en route to PlayStation 5 this September In their promotional items announcing these various sales numbers, Sony seems to be hyping up the following upcoming titles the most. God of War, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West, Battlefield 2042, Deathloop, Far Cry 6, and Kenna Bridge of Spirits, which we'll talk about in a moment. Chris, what do you think about these sales numbers? We know that the Miles Morales sales actually skewed a PlayStation 5, which is interesting, but I can't help but notice that the attach rate is still pretty poor for some of these biggest games. I mean, one in... 20 people that own a PS5 played Returnal, one in 10 played Ratchet. I mean, those are very strong numbers now, but will be less so later on. So that's what makes it so curious to me about how well this console is selling.
3: Yeah, I I mean, we've talked about inertia before, and we've talked about just like the general, you know, the general goodwill that people had in the PS4 generation kind of transferring over to PS5 with almost very little needed to convince them to continue. I would imagine that that's probably a lot to do with it i i do think a lot of the people who jumped in to the ps4 ecosystem were fairly new you know i i think obviously playstation had you know a pretty storied history and a lot and a lot of uh fans and a lot of players before but like the ps4 was the first time like a lot of people who were like all in on 360 jumped over so i think those people are the people that those are probably the, the people that determine the games that sell particularly well. So a lot of games that were new on PS4 are probably the ones that are going to start really having that high attach rate. I think it's going to be stuff like, you know, the sequel to God of War, I think the sequel to Horizon. I think I think those games that were like kind of fresh, to not only the PlayStation side, but also really indicative of why people were starting to like jump in those are going to be the games that I think have a higher attach rate than stuff like Ratchet and Clank that's a little bit more storied although it is shocking, like Miles Morales I would have expected to that's that's the one that's kind of weird because Spider-Man's like universal like everybody loves Spider-Man so I don't know I, I think that's definitely part of it though you know
1: Dustin I wanted to kick this one over to you because when I read this from Andrew Duda I had one of those like moments people aren't watching the video where I was like oh Wait a minute, this is a good, oh, this is a, a really good point. He says, hey guys, quick question. With the recent release of sales numbers and Sony revealing Returnal has only sold 560,000 copies, do you think Sony considers this game a success? For a niche brand new IP, I would say it's pretty solid, but in comparison to other SIE, SIE titles, it's extremely low. Also, what does this mean for Demon Souls? As they weren't even listed in the sales numbers at all. Is it because Bluepoint is still independent? Thanks for everything and keep that great quality content flowing. I don't think so hmm returnal was made by an independent studio at the time as well and those sales come from their independent section again there's no difference according to uh, herman holst between second and first party so i don't think that that is what it is i think that demon souls probably didn't sell very well and i'm wondering i'm wondering when i read that i was like oh shit andrew you're right where is demon souls if demon souls sold even five hundred thousand copies you would think they would say something. So my theory is that maybe the sales are pretty soft. They must be softer than Returnal.
2: See, I just... I can't imagine that that's the case. This was the only PS5 exclusive at launch, and many people bought it and maybe didn't like it, but they bought it for that reason at launch. I mean, maybe... Maybe I just... Man, I really can't see that game not do... Like, Returnal doing better than that game. That doesn't line up but I mean I guess it's possible they're not talking about it for some reason Sony always comes out to swing their dick around when they can so why wouldn't they unless it was so that is a very good question that Andrew brings up that is very confusing to me
1: so people are you saying people didn't like Demon Souls or anything?
2: I'm saying that there's probably a lot of people that bought it and then they're like this is I don't like Souls games or they realized Because it was so, I mean, any game that's a launch game is going to be appealing in one way or another to the broad market of everyone who buys it. Because, I don't know, at least for me, when a new console comes out, I'm way more likely to buy a game I may not be into due to the lack of variety that's available. So I would imagine there's a lot of people that are like, well, I don't like Dark Souls, or I didn't like Bloodborne, but... The only true PS5 exclusive, and I'm looking for stuff to play on my new console. So I would imagine, I would have thought that it would have sold really high because of that. Maybe not, though.
3: I don't know. I, I feel like it's just one of those games that has a reputation for being like kind of hard. And I feel like a lot of people probably just didn't want that. <laughs> I feel like probably a lot of people were probably like, uh, i Astro's pretty cool. Or like, uh, I think Miles Morales is the thing that most people were, you know, it's it's definitely more accessible and we have to also remember that like demon souls is like a remake of like a pretty ancient game and it looks gorgeous but a lot of those old problems are still there like a lot of the frustrations from like back when that game was like fresh and new those are still present in the, in the in the remake it's not necessarily this modernized version outside of just the visuals and like obviously the loading times it's like you know obviously that's a big thing too
2: so this would be very just light data to look at but just something to consider. PSN mm. profiles, we can see how many PSN profile people have logged in. There are 42,493 game owners on PSN profiles for Demon Souls. Returnal has 19,596. Mm. Again, that's not indicative of sales by any means, but we can at least something mm, though. Look into
1: that. Well, yeah. yeah, you might be right. I, yeah, it is. It is peculiar. And maybe it is because it's second party. But I don't I don't know. But it's a good it's a good point, Andrew. Very well taken. The other thing I wanted to ask here, Chris, was what did you think of Death Stranding sales numbers? A lot of people pointed this at me being like see, Death Stranding sold well, It sold five million copies. And I'm like, I don't know. That I consider that incredibly strong, it's weaker than Metal Gear, but also it's limited to one console, but that console is more than 100 million of them. It's yeah. also on PC, What do you make of those sales? Do you think that uh, because people are like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, this is kind of where I expected it to be in the several million range.
3: Yeah, I I don't think it's like particularly there's no way it was going to outsell Metal Gear. I mean, come on. Like that's that's a storied franchise with like a lot of history that everybody loves and that, that, you know, there's sequels and that's a whole different thing than like a new IP, especially one is unorthodox and strange as death stranding i i am a little surprised to see that it's sold as much as it did five million copies plus for a game that is pretty strange that's kind of cool like it a lot of that might have been name recognition fair enough but like part of me is also wondering like how many people really understand even who kojima is outside of you know like i i wonder how many people who aren't industry people or, like, who aren't, like, in the know bought Death Stranding and liked it. Like, that to me is, like, a really interesting, like, to- people who had no connection to Kojima at all. Like, I'm, cu- I'm so curious about those people. But I'm surprised and a little impressed at those numbers, but I'm not necessarily, like, blown away by them. I think it sold well enough for a- an experimental title like that. But... I don't know if I have that much else to say about it. I think it's just you know, I love Death Stranding, so I'm I'm happy that it
1: sold as many as it did. Me too. I, I can kind of see both, both why Sony wouldn't necessarily pursue another project with Kojima. I mean, that's not that's not, those aren't great numbers for their first party games. Although, I mean, it's a second party game, but in comparison, of course. But uh, Dustin, what do you think about the sales numbers for Death Stranding? Is that is that where you expected it to be?
2: They are higher than I expected. I don't. That's the question, Colin. You bring up like what Sony would expect from something like that. Um, obviously budget probably comes into it as well. But like, you know, I don't think that Returnal is gonna sell six million copies. So, you know, does that mean anything? I I, I don't know. That's the thing, is that we've we have this narrative about it not doing well and that maybe Sony wouldn't want to work with them, but I don't really know if that would be True.
1: I don't know. I mean, we might find out soon that they are working together. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) The other question here comes from Corey Christensen, who says, with the player base at four million total due in part to Game Pass, should the next MLB the show launch on PS Now for a trial period of one month? This would increase the player base. And after the month is over, it would encourage people buying the game. What do you all think about my proposal? Well, I'm interested in this because. The sales, I thought, this is the uh, went in the other direction where I was like, the show only sold 2 million copies? I, I, It's like the third or fourth best-selling game of the year. So I don't know exactly how this is being counted, but it seems like there's an equivalent number of people playing on Xbox for free and PlayStation for a charge, and that tells me that there's no reason for them to make it free, because I would have thought that the cut-in would have been much more severe than that, and that couple million people are still willing to buy that game when they can go, I mean, it's not it's not boundaryless but you can just go to this other console and and play it for free i think that's pretty telling so i'm think sony's pleased with that too so i would say no to that guys let's go to number 3 i'm excited about this one i want to see what you guys think of this too there's a lot to this number 3 a new firmware update for PlayStation 5 is currently in closed beta and it sounds like it may just be the update we've all been waiting for according to website the verge the biggest update for many will no doubt be that the, that access to the ps5's m2 ssd slot will now be made available What's amazing about that is that should you use an M2 SSD in your PS5, you may need to heat sync it separately. So this seems to be something that's well above most users' heads. So this was one major thing is that it it's going to create like some sort of heat disruption for you, which is, means that I would never even know what to do with that. As the Verge relays word from Sony, the company, quote, cannot guarantee that all M2 SSD devices meeting the described specifications will work with your console, end quote. Sony recommends Gen 4 drives at 5,500 megs a second bandwidth, and even then, Sony says it might not work as quickly as their internal drive. Website Push Square points out that the Seagate Fire Cuda 530 is the first PS5-compatible SSD out of the gate, but there's more to this update, including the long-awaited and seemingly inevitable update to trophies. PlayStation 5's trophy list is horrific, unreadable, unusable, and actually detractive from the experience of earning them. Sony listened and is now allowing trophies to be read the old-fashioned way in a list. And better yet, there will now be a built-in trophy tracker that will allow allow players to track five trophies at a time, by setting things up in the PS5's control center. You can pin trophy information that's tracked to your screen, so it always overlays as you're playing if you need further details. The so-called game base is also experiencing a major update, and the control center interface will allow more personalization and customization too. And if you're a PS Now subscriber, you can now toggle between 720p and 1080p resolutions, likely a nod to those experiencing connection issues while streaming. So there's a lot here. Chris, what do you think about the uh, SSD slot being made available now to others but sony's kind of insistence that maybe you shouldn't fuck with it
3: (laughs) yeah it's a little uh not exactly the news that um like everything else about this this item in the news like is is a lot more yay you know like a lot a lot more good than this this is a very weird way of doing it i don't know if i'm excited about this i don't don't know if i don't know if i'll even mess around with this because i don't know if like i'm i've built pcs and shit but i i I don't know, (laughs) like, when it comes to a a console that is hard to get, I don't know if I want to fuck with it to the degree that, like, I might just disrupt it in some major way and have it bricked and have to send it back and have to deal with a bend situation. So, like, I I don't know, I would have expected this to be a little bit more graceful than it is. Granted, closed beta, but, like, still, like, very bizarre. Everything else in this, everything else seems
1: great, though. Dustin, what do you make about what's being announced here? Um, I'm I'm most intrigued because it's most out of my wheelhouse with the SSD. Right. It seems, see, this is why I was wondering why they didn't just make PS5 more modular. If they're going to require some sort of sophistication with technology, then you could have gone even further than allow, like, remember we were talking about, like, well, you don't want people to be fucking with your cons. You don't want to fuck with your console. You don't know what you're doing, but they're literally saying, well, again. You gotta do. I mean, I guess we don't we don't recommend it. Right. You know? And then our shit works better and all this. So I'm just like, why wouldn't you just have broken this thing wider open? That was my first instinct. Of course, I don't really know what I'm talking about with technology, so I leave it to you. People
2: are you know dunking on this a little bit about how difficult or the fact that there's only one known compatible drive. It doesn't surprise me that this is the case at all. They showed us very early on that their SSD is very bespoke and sophisticated and even to the point that they showed out like the way that it's laid out on the the motherboard is to streamline things for higher bandwidth so yeah it takes very specific drives and there is probably very few that are going to work and even then some of them are like we're not even sure if it's going to work as fast as our very custom bespoke ssd that makes sense to me so and that's the other thing people are talking about oh 250 dollars the that's $50 more than the series X one. I'm like, yeah, it's also a lot faster than the series X one. So sorry. I think that they probably thought that the timeline would be accelerated on these better SSDs, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's also pandemic related that maybe that the R and D or like getting these newer drives just isn't quite been at the timeline they expected. But I would not put anything in your PS five that Sony doesn't certify and say, this is a good drive to use. And I think that especially as this beta comes out and people, the, the beta testers themselves start fucking around and putting stuff in. Sony's going to get a lot more data and more drives known working drives will become available. Part of me almost wonders if, if it's so specific why doesn't Sony partner with some of these SSD, and maybe they are behind the scenes, and make, yeah. hey, this is you go to the PlayStation section of Target or Amazon, whatever, and there is an S there is a drive on the shelf there that you know it's got PlayStation's logo on it. It can say partner or Seagate, PlayStation, whatever. That seems like the most logical thing, so people don't have to play these games, but again. Uh, I'm not, I'm just not surprised, but again, it doesn't sound, uh, I'm not surprised that Sony is doing it this way either, just because they seem to be kind of
1: disorganized about everything. Also, I'm a little mystified. I don't know. I don't want to go down this road again, but I am a little mystified by why people are so desperate for more space already. Yeah. I, I was reading something where someone was like, even with the, the a drive twice as big, you can only fit maybe 20 games on it. And I'm like, why the fuck do you need 20 games on your hard drive right now? I don't understand how schizophrenic some people are out there where you need to have 20 games at, at the ready at all times. I think people are sweating some things that don't matter. These are really expensive upgrades too. just be more thoughtful with how you store your games and delete them when you're done. I go, th- I love deleting shit off my, my hard drive and I've never had any issues yet with PS5 running out of space. I used to have issues with PS4 because you remember PS4 used to cache deletions and then you'd have to. It wouldn't count that that space would be available and you had to restart your PS4 to like, yeah, count that space is emptied and shit, which is why you needed twice as much space to copy PS4 games because it would like take the package file and then unzip it. It was so weird. You don't have to do any of that shit on PS5. So there's not even really an excuse anymore where people used to get really frustrated or they're like, I have 300 gigabytes. So like, why can't I download Call of Duty? And it's because they need 600, yeah, 600 gigabytes for, for them to make the package. But uh, we will keep an eye on this. See what happens? I know you guys don't care, but I am incredibly pleased about the trophy updates this I'm so pleased because they heard that this was urgent and they did it quickly. Yeah. And it lets me know that they realized this is I remember I said it I was like I don't know who made this interface but it's someone who doesn't play games to earn trophies because it 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 I would rather just have PSN profiles on my fucking laptop than have to go into that that chart. And uh so we've been saying before that underneath the ps5's glossy os is the ps4 os and i assume they'll just gonna point to the trophy list that trophy list which will be nice so well done thank you for listening sony and we have no information on either the name of the firmware update or when that will be available publicly probably not for a while i would assume because they probably are gonna have a lot of hardware kinks to work out i think that trophy tracker is
3: cool too to be
1: honest oh yeah that's that's a good point as well yeah you can track up the five active trophies which is cool and it'll keep the information emblazoned on your screen if you wanted to and all this this is this is the realization of what they've been doing around the edges with the game help videos and all the rest they're they're there they just needed to make it presentationally coherent yeah and now they are hopefully good, good so good. all right number four I wanted to bring this is I wanted to call this one out just because people are, are looking forward to this game and a sad bit of news, particularly for those looking for something to play on PlayStation 5. An upcoming game has been slightly delayed. Kenna Bridge of Spirits has been knocked out of its August 24th release date and will now launch on both PS4 and PS5 on September 21st. The slight delay was announced via the official Twitter account of the game's developer Ember Lab and was a choice made as the team, quote, feels the extra time is critical to ensure the best experience possible, end quote. First revealed in 2020, the timed console exclusive is the first game from Ember Lab, and it can best be described as a third-person action game with some typical RPG elements. I think this game looks great. I'm excited about it. It's a delay of less than a month. Dustin, are you, are you in on this game? I, I feel like this is a game you would enjoy.
2: Yeah, I saw a little bit of gameplay just like a week or two ago, and it looks still very charming and very, very cute. I'm definitely interested in it. It sucks because this was the game... Uh, That I was planning to play in August, that I was looking forward to, and now it's almost like I don't know of any new releases that I'm super pumped for in August. There's probably something I'm forgetting about, but you know what? That's fine. Like we're, we always say the same thing. You know, whatever time they need, that's always better than having it be bad.
1: Agreed. I don't want to see any more of the game, so I'm avoiding at all cost any more video footage of this game. So I'm, I'm in. Uh, It's fine if it's delayed. Chris, are you looking forward to Kena at all? Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't realize it was that close, though. Like,
3: I I've actually been actively like not paying attention to release dates because I know that they're just fleeting at this point. So like, I'll just hear about a game and like, you know, if it's like two weeks out from launch, it's like, oh, cool, exciting. But I, I you know, there's no such thing uh, in my opinion as a as a delay that makes the game worse. Uh, so whatever time they need, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a delay, you know seems seems like no, a pretty several weeks. Yeah, it's just yeah. a few weeks, so looks like it's probably going to. I would imagine it's probably going to hit in September. I don't imagine it'll be delayed again. Uh, could be, could be wrong. That could age poorly, but it looks cool. Like I, I like the art style. I'm looking forward to it. I don't. I'm like you though. I don't need to see any more of it. I don't know if I'm necessarily like pumped about it, but it definitely looks unique enough and interesting enough uh, as far in the you know the PlayStation ecosystem that I'm like I, I want to play this and I want it to be good. So. Whatever extra time they need is all good by me.
1: Yeah, and it's worth noting, as I said earlier, this is a game Sony is kind of dumping some marketing into and acquired timed exclusivity for, likely funded some of the games. So, yeah, it's something they believe in, and that, that means something, I guess, too. So we'll keep an eye out for Ember Labs game in September. Number five, a week or two ago, we learned that WB-owned developer NetherRealm would be ending its DLC support for Mortal Kombat 11, which came to PlayStation 4 back in 2019. Now we know just how well the game sold, making it somewhat surprising the studio is so eager to move on. The title has surpassed a staggering 12 million copies sold. That makes it the best-selling Mortal Kombat game ever released, an impressive feat for a series that started way back in 1992 in arcades, coming the following year to SNES and Genesis. This also means it's one of the top five best-selling fighting games ever, joining esteemed peers in the genre, including the beloved Street Fighter II and multiple Smash Bros. entries. The series as a whole stands at 73 million copies sold, which actually means that it's the best selling fighting series ever made, surpassing Super Smash Brothers and with these newest numbers while remaining comfortably ahead of both Street Fighter and Tekken. This is incredible. I actually had no idea that I mean, you see it chart month after month after month after month on the MPDs and on the PSN charts. That's a no joke game. And I, I, I'm actually kind of curious why they're walking away from it now, because that's Really high. I wonder if they're looking at it, saying like we can almost annualize fighting games, like others are annualizing sports games. But Chris, what do you uh, make of these Mortal Kombat sales figures from NetherRealm?
3: I'm very surprised <laughs> because Mortal Kombat to me was always like of the of the games that have been mentioned here so far, like Tekken and Street Fighter and Super Smash Brothers. Mortal Kombat is probably like my least favorite of them, so it's it's actually like mind-blowing that it's it's that far ahead of so many of them and that it's that it's ahead of smash brothers as a series is is pretty although there have been fewer smash brothers in fairness but that's that's nothing to scoff at that's that's wild like i really had no that that was i feel like when i feel like when you know colin when you were talking about crash bandicoot and you were like ah there's probably probably nobody cares about this that's how i feel like, I'm just like, I feel like I was completely out of the loop, and now I've just been, like, dragged into this world that I don't recognize, where everybody, apparently, and their and their fucking grandparents have been playing Mortal Kombat this whole time.
1: I just haven't seen it. It is incredible. Like, it goes to show you, it goes both ways, because you had mentioned earlier, too, I mean, we were talking about Demon Souls and Returnal and all of that, and we, we often bring up Metroid, which yeah. is a series that has sold, like, 15 million copies in totality or something, But but the way it's talked about in hardcore circles... You would think it was like a hundred million seller. And and Mortal Kombat's almost the exact opposite because I know that it's got hardcore bona fides, but I also know that it's definitely a peripheral FGC game compared to the core 2D Japanese games and a, a couple of others. So yeah, when I saw that number, I was like, that's nuts. And then when I saw 73 million copies sold in totality, it's like, holy shit, man. That's more than Street Fighter. Dustin, what do you think about Mortal Kombat 11's sales figures? And them walking away from the game. I'm a little surprised by that too.
2: Right. Well, I mean, the big rumor right now is that their next project is actually something with Marvel, which would be very interesting because they already have previous history with DC doing uh, Injustice games. But, you know, Mortal Kombat, it's huge. They just had that movie recently, which I don't know how the movie did, but there's been Mortal Kombat movies from years ago, and they've done like animated stuff, so it definitely has like a broad multimedia appeal as well to see this one do so well is uh just interesting in the fact they 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 kind of re rebooted the series back on 360 when they just called it mortal combat and then they did mortal Kombat x then of course now mortal Kombat 11 it seems to be this resurgent because it wasn't always doing so hot like some of those like random uh like ps1 and ps2 versions definitely it was not uh on top as far as like the fighting game community and stuff like that
1: well congratulations to netherrealm wb ed boone congratulations to you of course number six longtime playstation employee executive and one-time ceo of the brand sean Layden has taken a new job better yet he's talking again for starters the somewhat boring stuff Layden has joined the advisory board of Streamline Media Group, a somewhat boring-sounding company that nonetheless has larger aspirations embedded in its name. Gaming is multifaceted and involves a lot of different moving parts. Gaming also intersects with entertainment and the wider realm of leisure, and Streamline is attempting to streamline that. In accompanying interviews, including one on GamesIndustry.biz, however, it appears Laden is continuing to bang the drum he was hitting on his way out of Sony. Games are too expensive to make, and all that comes with that. He said in part, quote, with each console generation, the cost of games goes up two times. So PS4 games were $100 million to $150 million. It stands to reason that PS5 games, when they hit their stride, will be in excess of $200 million. It's going to be very difficult for more than a handful of large players to compete in that space. During that time, we also have seen more consolidation. Consolidation is the enemy of diversity in some ways. It takes a lot of playing pieces off the table as they grow into these larger conglomerates. And again, we end up with this problem with diversity. Music, on a revenue basis, is probably one-fifth of the game space, but their cultural impact is 100 times what gaming is. Right now, we are narrowing ourselves down into genres and sequels and certain types of games. Favorites of my own, like Parappa and Vib Ribbon, those things don't seem to get the chance to come out on stage. That's bad for the industry and bad for fans. Over time, that leads to a crumbling of the games industry if we keep talking to the same people and telling the same stories in the same way." End quote. Layden also explicitly discusses what I've repeatedly said on the show and heard or read nowhere else, that the recent $10 increase in AAA game prices doesn't even account for inflationary pressure over the time prices weren't raised and will barely make a dent in the problems he describes. I have not seen that said anywhere until I read it from Sean Layden. I've been saying that consistently that I mean, whether or not you it doesn't matter how you feel about game pricing. It's just the knowledge that that $10 increase is almost irrelevant at this point to them. There's a lot here. And uh, I'm going to I have a few questions to accompany us, but I'll, I'll let us kind of break into this however we want. Dustin, I'll go to you first. What, what do you think about what Sean Layden had to say? I know a lot of people were stuck on his thing about Game Pass and how they needed like 500 million subscribers or whatever to break even. I think he was being obviously hyperbolic with that, but I'm glad he spoke about that as well. It stands to reason that the man who was a head of, head of PlayStation for years would have an idea about the solvency and the idea of solvency with, an, with a product like that. And I think it's something to pay attention to, but there's plenty to say here. So I leave it to you. I think it's
2: interesting that he brings up the music industry as a, a point of comparison and that we don't just want the games industry as the, you know, the huge money maker, but also the cultural impact. Those things go hand in hand. And he's kind of talking about, you know, the consolidation and somewhat if they continue to chase just the dollar, right? The sequels, the franchises, eventually this is a losing race for everybody. Uh, you, I don't. I mean, you would think at some point people are, are like, "Enough. We need new ideas and new games in order to keep things fresh." And with that, you have to make risks and do weird, small stuff. And the curious part about all this is that Sony, like specifically, I think Herman Holst recently said, like, "Oh no, we're still committed to doing creative and new ideas." It's like, okay do it then like where where are the smaller games where are the games that you the 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 traditional games they would bring out at like a psx or something something that isn't going to be the multi-million uh seller that uh brings i don't know is, is culture the right word to the playstation brand brings variety those things are important those are the things that endear people to the brand and allow for a more creative environment. So, I'm on board with with Sean Layden and what he's saying here. I, I agree with him. The question, though, is we're still just so early into this generation. What will the future look like? Is Sony, is is Herman Holz specifically, is he being true in the fact that there are smaller things that are in the vein of something like a proper rapper coming? Or is it the doom and gloom that we previously talked about of a world where The Last of Us is getting remade?
1: I think we're we know where this is all going with Sony. But uh, Chris, I'm curious what you make of this. Uh, I feel like there's something about Layden beating this drum because it does sound like a canary in the coal mine, the the losing game that Dustin was describing. And I also like that his solution, if you read about his this company and I read a little bit about it, it's a horrible name, but that he's advising and, and kind of what their intent is, it's it seems like it's to broaden the base of license, a projected license appeal so that if you have license X and you can make a video game and then get a TV show and a movie or whatever the case might be, you can kind of pool this money in such a way that the, the cost of everything will be more streamlined and become cheaper. So it's it is clever. But what do you make about his kind of his his doom and gloom about creativity and money?
3: I mean, I think he's. I think he's right. I, I think um, you see a lot of. I mean, we've talked about. <laughs> we've talked a lot on this show about about the variety of of PlayStation titles, uh, specifically First Party for games that we love, by the way, that are very very good, and how you know it, it is you know the over the shoulder third person high fidelity action adventure like cinematic presentation game has been sold to us over and over again granted very different and they're all very good but I I noticed this years ago like w- that there was some kind of I don't know just like a very samey feeling to a lot of titles and like yeah we got some weird stuff every now and again we'd, we'd get a Death Stranding which was also just that but like with a weird execution and I'm sure that we're going to get some smaller titles that are interesting and and I'm sure we're going to get some weird experiments. Lord knows, maybe that's what this abandoned thing is. I don't know. Like, who knows? But I do think there is a danger in consolidation. Not necessarily as far as, like, acquisition, but in as far as, like, when you see a title and you're like, oh, that's we need to do that. That's what we need to do. It's, it's what happened with Battle Royale. It's why so many games look like Fortnite now. And because everybody's chasing the same dollar there's like not enough people there to really like they've already we they already have a george dude like <laughs> we've been saying that for years too right it's it's a big it is a big problem and i think it's it's it is interesting that he's talking talking about this I do think that the music industry question is interesting though or like how how he brought up how like music has like a far more a greater impact on our culture than video games do but it's i i don't know if that's necessarily the right way to look at it because games are so interactive in a way that a lot of other mediums just aren't music is very passive it can be interactive as well but they are inherently passive even a movie for as much as you can engage with it on a mental level it's it's passive entertainment television is passive entertainment everything else that has a great cultural impact has to be passive because it needs to be kind of it needs to set the stage for what's going on it's It can't be, like, interactive. I don't know if something like The Last of Us can have a, a, as big a cultural impact as a lot of albums. I don't know if that's possible. Because games aren't a part of everything else like music is. Like, you need music in games. Like, you need that. Like, that's... It, it's a very... I don't know. I don't know the solution to that. I don't know, like, necessarily what how he would think about that. Or, like, what he would think about that. But... I think looking at it through the lens of other industries isn't the way to go. I think it's just looking at it from a lens of variety is good and we need as much of it as possible if we want to maintain, you know, the interest that we have now or we want to keep that going. Because
1: otherwise, what are we going to have like Fortnite a million times? If you're lucky. Yeah, I still always think about remember we were just talking shit about we were walking to the diner in LA and we we were talking shit about Fortnite and how no one will shut up about Fortnite and fives not 5 seconds later a kid and his mom walked down the sidewalk and and he's like talking about Fortnite and I was like this that's ugly, I man. it was insane. But even we yeah. see that now like like
3: even the just the ex defiance stuff, you know? Like uh oh hey here's uh Tom Clancy we got a Tom Clancy license it's a, it's unique and interesting, but people want uh this. So let's make this and it's like at a certain point Everybody's gonna get bored because everything is the same. You need stuff like the odd splinter cell. You need stuff like Psychonauts. You need stuff like vibribbon and and like just these weird things. Stanley Parable, just like bizarre things that get people talking. Even if it, th- even, even if they don't break like millions of sales, it's part of the deep lore that get gets people sucked in. You know, to like a deeper rabbit hole. It's the same reason why you know somebody who's into like classic rock or something you delve into rock that's like the ama- the breadth of genre fusing and and the breadth of variety in that like you go to swedish metal or like melodic hardcore or just like weird weird stuff like king gizzard and the lizard wizard and all these like weird like microtonal you need those big franchises to pull people in but like if you don't have anything deeper than that if you don't have anything deeper than the substanceless like free to play, you know, mode that everybody's doing, then people get bored and they dip out because they need that depth to keep going. And I, th- I think he's totally right. Yeah, I just well totally said. ranted for a long
1: time. I'm sorry. No, that's great. I mean, that's what the show's for. You can rant and rave all you want. That's great. I-, I think you're absolutely right. And it's funny because Matthew O'Sullivan did write into us on Patreon about that music reference. And I was going to read your letter, Matthew, but no, oh. we'll just reference it now. And in the sense that I agree with you it's apples and oranges mm. but it did resonate with me in some way where I'm like mm, you're right like wh- how can we fix this why can't games be taken more seriously we've talked we've talked about something like the H- the hbo last of us series that that could be a bridge for people and other things I think we have to just continue to be patient and also realize that the financial investment is substantially larger in games than it is in music unless you're going to live shows and stuff thus of course that the capital is going to be totally different an album i don't i don't know that i'm talking out of school to say that an album has never cost a hundred million dollars to make or 50 million dollars to make no. ever no. you know so maybe the most ostentatious production is tens of millions of dollars maybe i would assume something like that with all your hiring and your bands and all, whatever. so i don't know but i did want to bring up a couple of these other things here turn ferguson wrote in He said, hey, guys, if publishers are so worried about rising costs of game development, why do they continue to open studios in places like California, which has some of the highest cost of living and taxes anywhere in the world? Why not open more studios in Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia instead, where they can get uh, way more bang for the buck? The annual salary of one programmer in L.A. can probably get you four or five in Malaysia or Poland. To me, the whole games are too expensive to make argument is partly self-inflicted. These publishers can very easily lower their development costs by simply not making games in the most expensive cities and countries in the world you're wrong unfortunately because i don't think you're thinking about this the proper way now there's plenty of talent gaming talent in malaysia there are malaysian studios there's plenty of talent as we know in poland and i always think that it's very wise to go to places and investigate where the talent is right we were we were really excited that for instance uh we're not excited but talking about like playstation has never really breached in a second party capacity the canadian market and now they're going to do that with multiple studios with the, the the announcements they've made so it's always good to go where the and Right. Like there are only a few North Carolina studios like Red Storm Insomniac obviously has a studio out there. Epic. So you go there to tap into that market. Everyone that works in games lives in California for the most part. People are going to open studios there because it's easiest to court. And unfortunately, this makes it harder to move. Right. But you're not going to go make a studio in Montana because then you have to get people to go there. Yeah. And That and studios even have a difficult time dealing with this in like Bend is in the middle of Oregon. That's not a studio that a lot of people are going to go work for. It's not. You have to like look, pick up your whole life, go to Oregon and there's nothing else for you. If you lost your job at Bend, you're fucked. But if you have a a game job in Seattle or a game job in L.A. or San Francisco, Tokyo, London, Paris, I mean, these are just New York, even to a degree in Chicago. These are places that make a lot more sense. So turd, you're not thinking about it right. There's talent everywhere you go, but you can't court talent to places people don't want to live. Yeah. And people don't want to live. Unfortunately, I mean, I think Virginia is great, but you're not going to open a a big studio in Richmond because you got to get people to go and you're not going to get the best talent. So, yeah, just think about that because games are expensive to make, but where they're being made is not really Biggest deal. Remember that Remedy is working in first world Europe and they made a, a AAA game for $25 million. Meanwhile, Cyberpunk 2077 is a massive blunder, well funded in Poland. Mm-hmm. So don't overthink it too much from that re- regard. The other thing I wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about too much that he talked about here is consolidation. This is, of course, a, a drum I've been beating and a horse I've been beating to death on the show, and I'm glad he brought it up here as well. Corey Brown wrote in and said, my sweet boys, some recent acquisition speculation has mentioned how Microsoft would be smart to go after a company like Focus Home Interactive. Can you explain why Microsoft, already a publisher, would get out of acquiring another pure publisher like this who may work with a stable of developers regularly, but doesn't actually own any of them, at least not that I know of? Is it IP, multi-game contractual relationships with these developers? Thanks. And even though they're not on the show, I just wanted to welcome Cog and Micah to the last damn team. So happy for your growth and success thank you so much for that you know we've been getting a lot of kind words about every you know cog and, and micah and, and we really do appreciate that so the first thing you want to note is that um focus home interactive is a growing entity they do own some studios like team 17 i think so that's number one but number two i don't know what they get out of it and i am starting to get more and more concerned about the consolidation and i'm concerned about microsoft coming into this and i Was it, was, did we discuss it on this show about, was it on this show about, is there going to be a price to pay? Is Microsoft going to push it too far? It was on some show we were talking about, or is that Sacred Symbols Plus maybe?
2: I think we talked about it. That was you and I, Mm -hmm. but I can't remember what show.
1: Yeah, I think it was Sacred Symbols. It must have been the call-in show or whatever. Right. And the idea was like, is Microsoft going to push this to such a degree where people are like, what are you doing? Why do you need Focus Home Interactive? Like, are you kidding me? What, you need Focus Home Interactive? You can't just leave them alone. They don't own anything. So I agree that the consolidation and just the throwing money around is actually making the problem worse. And Microsoft is actually making the problem worse. I mean, whether or not you think games are too expensive or not, there's no doubt that Microsoft vastly overpaid for Bethesda and is setting game pricing on on an unsustainable trajectory, in my opinion, with Game Pass. And this is exactly what Sean Layden is, is doing as well. So it's not like they're just. What they're doing is great for the consumer and it's fun and it's exciting to to examine and and pontificate about. But it has real lasting ramifications. And I frankly think that that's what Sean Layden is trying to say. You can't get into this situation where no one can afford to be in in this space anymore. And uh, I highly recommend people go read this interview. And there's others. I think he gave a few, but he's obviously on his media tour. So he's going to say a lot of the same stuff. Number seven. Sony has revealed the free PlayStation Plus slate of games for August of 2021, and it's not very impressive. If you're on PlayStation 5, you're going to get a game we were actually already told you were getting during the last State of Play stream, Hunters Arena Legends. The online-centric PvP and PvE hack-and-slash title is also on PlayStation 4 and is free for PS Plus users across both platforms. Over on PlayStation 4, players will receive two additional games. The first is the Plants vs. Zombies online shooter Battle for Neighborville, which will first launch on PS4 back in 2019, it's the third of the 3D Plants vs. Zombies offs that began way back in 2014 with Garden Warfare on PS3 and PS4 and continued with the sequel to that game, uh, to that game 2016's Garden Warfare 2 on PlayStation 4. The other PS4 freebie is Tennis World Tour 2, which came out in 2020 by way of developer Breakpoint Studio. These games will be free for active PS Plus subscribers from August 3rd until September 6th, and you should claim them and add them to your download list, even if you don't intend on playing them now, as you may want to later. Dustin, what do you make about this uh, rather unimpressive roster?
2: Yeah, I mean, they can't all be great. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like there's been a lot of really good months. But I don't know. Surely some, you know, younger kid or something is looking at Garden garden Warfare and is like, awesome. And he also likes tennis. Like this, this lineup appeals to someone. It just doesn't appeal to us i don't know to me it's like one of those things where it's like it's okay i there's other things to play they've had a lot of really good months where i've been like aw- like Plague Tale. i got awesome got to play through all of that last month i thought that was fantastic uh fantastic choice even if the
1: game was mid at points so i don't know we'll see yeah i, th- I was gonna say i think i'm just looking at the historic data right now there's a great playstation playstation.fandom.com they have a list of PlayStation Plus games that were free like throughout the years going back all the way to uh, 2009 I guess it would be or 2010 and this is definitely the worst month of the year no doubt because we here are some of the games we've gotten free on PS Plus this year so far in addition to Plague Tale Maneater Shadow of the Tomb Raider Greedfall Control Concrete Genie Destruction All Stars Maquette Final Fantasy 7 Remake Remnant from the Ashes Farpoint Oddworld Soulstorm Days Gone Zombie Army 4 Wreckfest Battlefield 5, Stranded Deep, Operation Tango, Star Wars Squadron, uh, Squadrons, and Virtual Fighter 4, or 5 rather, was free for two months. So certainly the weakest month. But Chris, what what do you make of this uh, particular list? I, the only thing I would say, I feel like I'm being harsh on Xbox, this podcast, that's not my intention, is that compare these games to the games with gold every every month. Oh yeah, and you'll, yeah. And you'll feel like you're eating like a king.
3: Yeah, no, games with gold is a joke. Like nobody, I don't even check them. <laughs> I don't even check them anymore. It's like it's not even worth my time. They should just get rid of it. They should. I don't know why they just it, yeah. it, it's just like a blemish. Like they they're doing they have so, so much goodwill with Game Pass that it's almost like right. why even bother like doing it. But yeah, I I I don't know, like I'm not necessarily starving for a new thing to play every single month, so like I it doesn't bother me when there's like a month that's like uh we got a weak month because there've definitely been strong months that you know, I knew were strong quality-wise, but didn't necessarily appeal to me as far as something as I wanted to play it, you know, like, so, I don't know. You, you just have to accept that if you're if you're going to get some free stuff every now and again, you know, free stuff. Obviously, it's a subscription thing, but it's not always going to be exactly what you want. That's fine. You can have a weak month because there's, chances are this is somebody's, per- this is like at least one weird Psycho's perfect month. Like, I don't know what kind of <laughs> lunatic is like losing their minds over you know over this month but you know
1: who knows all right let's see what's next here on the list number eight according to a report on website axios electronic arts vaunted and all-important ea sports brand is beginning a new chapter of growth as the article aptly notes quote sports gaming doesn't get much press but it's a surging market with increased competition and lots of players up for grabs End quote EA's own statistics, according to Axios, note that the publisher reaches 230 million sports gamers and is aggressively seeking to double that number. A big piece of this will be the inherent socialization that comes along with watching, playing, and enjoying sports. General manager of EA Sports, Darrell Holt, told the publication in part, quote, We're creating very much a social aspect and social networks within our games, end quote, but it's brand aggressiveness that will continue to be at the heart of desired growth. FIFA, Madden NFL, and NHL, EA Sports' Trinity – Will continue unabated, but as we already know, EA Sports is going to tap back into baseball, golf, college football, and more. Re-upped its valuable UFC license and brought all and bought all of Codemasters, which specializes in racing games, which they consider sports games. This is all relevant as EA Sports tapped out of a lot of these subgenres over the past decade or more. EA's MLB branded baseball games ceased in 2007, falling first to rival 2K's baseball games and then to the Sony's The Show powerhouse franchise. Likewise, EA's PGA series, once helmed by Tiger Woods, has been dormant for six years, and Tiger Woods himself has gone to rival 2K for their new golf series. And EA's NBA Live series, beleaguered and abandoned with sporadic releases over the last decade, is seeking to return too, though there's nothing specifically in the cards yet. An interesting fact about NBA Live is that EA has canceled five of the last 10 core releases in the series, including NBA Elite 12 and NBA Live 13, 17, 20, and 21. You may recall that NBA Live 13 was canceled after going gold and being printed. And so there are rare and very valuable copies of it in the wild. I remember us getting it at IGN uh, after it, after it, they didn't come in cases, they but it was the printed disc yeah. that came in like little sleeves. And we we're like, oh, shit, this game doesn't really even exist. I know I suspect you guys don't have much to say about this, but I'll just add in to this that this GM, Daryl Holt of EA Sports had mentioned specifically that they are not going to go to the annual or not abandon rather annualization for their sports games. Not a huge surprise, but he had some marketing speak about how annualization makes sense considering annualization also happens in sports generally. Like every season is a new season. Why wouldn't there be a new game for that season? I kind of get that argument, I guess, but it's a little it's different than what Konami's doing with um with uh Pez. So anyway, some information there if you're interested. EA Sports looking to double themselves. I, I can move on. You guys don't have anything to say about this, I assume. Yeah. No idea. Number nine. Back in 2019, a studio called 1047 Games released a free to play FPS on PC called Splitgate. It has since become quite popular and is on the verge of being released on both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Well, was on the verge anyway, because these releases have been delayed. Why? Because the game is too damn popular. Here's the gist. Splitgate opened itself up recently to a console beta that instituted full cross-platform play. However, demand for the beta was enormous. More than 2 million people crushed the game's servers, forcing its small team to scramble, pushing its games launched just a few weeks into August. According to website IGN, the 1047 Games team raised $10 million in private capital to tend just to the servers, and the team is working to make the appropriate fixes. The open beta will rage on all the while, however, under extended terms. The studio hopes that not releasing the full game and instead keeping smaller launches contained within the beta will allow them to scale more appropriately. Look for the full launch on both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 by the end of August. Alejandro Blanco wrote in and said, hello, Sacred Crew. This question is tailored to Chris, but feel free to chime in. Chris, have you tried Splitgate or seen how much it's blown up? I have been having a blast with this game and it's a really nice and it feels like a really nice successor to Halo 3's gameplay until we get Infinite. I know this is a PlayStation podcast, but Splitgate is also available on PlayStation consoles, and it's the closest thing to Halo there. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, What do you have to say about this, Chris?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've seen... I remember when this first came out, and I, I took a look at it. I didn't play it. Not for lack of interest. I just think I just, like... I just didn't fucking... I don't think I had the time to play it. But... It looks interesting, like, it's it's an interesting premise, like, I, I get, like, oh, it's, like, Portal, it's, like, an arena shooter mixed with Portal, like, it's cool, because Portal was, like, just such a neat, that's such a neat gameplay mechanic that I feel is, like, severely, like, it's actually shockingly underutilized, considering how cool it was when when they did it in uh, Portal 1 and Portal 2, but, I don't know, I just, I feel like I have my shooters, you know, like, I've already got Destiny I jump into Battlefield every now and again. I think I'm just sort of set, you know? And I already have, like, this one specific one that I'm looking forward to, and it's infinite, and I don't don't mind waiting for something that I think will be a little bit more in line than something like this. It looks a little bit... It looks a little too chaotic for me. Like, the whole reason why I like arena shooters is because there is some level of predictability and some level of, like, rules, and this one just looks like people are popping up out of the floor and shit. It's just like... uh, I don't know. It looks a little too chaotic for me, but it looks it does look fun. Maybe I'll try it out. I didn't realize it was going into beta on PlayStation. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to roll that.
1: right into the, the the public release too. Full full crossplay, so they have authorization there, which is nice.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm saying I'll probably jump into it. I didn't realize there was a there was just like a free beta running around. I haven't jumped into yeah. it proper, so might
1: be fun. Yeah, Dustin, I was going to ask you if you're into this.
2: So what's funny about this game is just that when we were doing press stuff at PAX, we were getting emails from them daily. Those was like, come preview Splitgate. It's Halo meets Portal. And it always said that in the subject. And we were like kind of annoyed by it. Like we were making fun of it because dude, when you, those, Colin, you've gotten these press emails before and it's like, Dark Souls, uh, Metroidvania, roguelike esque at uh, at booth, whatever. And just like take like any amalgamation of words, like gaming buzzwords, and then like put them together. And then that's like your entire email box before packs or whatever. And so we were laughing about this. But then, like, when we got there and we saw people playing, we're like, whoa, this game looks pretty cool. It has a pretty uh, dedicated following. I played a little bit of it on pc probably about a year ago and thought it was fun but like chris said the the portal element does make it a little chaotic it makes it even confusing to do like strategies and stuff um just because there's you know portals all over the place that may like introduce this chaotic level but i'm curious about how the game has progressed and it's cool it's finding its stride on on playstation and on consoles so i actually just downloaded the beta today and i think it's live this weekend and so it's clearly going to be the best beta playable this weekend so that's what i'll be playing um and i'll be very very happy there
3: (laughs) yeah i don't know man that design like the whole portal thing it's just like because the whole point of like a lot of those games is just like you kind of understand where people might be you know at any given time it's like you know that we start here I know that if I'm in this section of the map, there's only so many people, and and then like the second you could just appear like out of thin air, like on the other side, it's like, I, it's like a panic attack. Like I I don't know. Like I'll I'll jump into the beta though, as long as it's like around for a while. I think I, I assume it's probably going to be extended given the server issues. But
1: we have this question from Mike Ryan on Patreon. He says, "Hello D between two thick C's." PlayStation really needs a multiplayer shooter, and we don't really have one right now. But have you guys been paying attention to what's been going on with Splitgate? This game basically plays like Halo, but has portal guns. It came out on PC in 2019, but the beta hit consoles and now has over 600,000 downloads across all platforms. More than that now. My question is this. Is Sony paying attention? The game has been number one on the PlayStation Store for weeks now, so it's clear PlayStation players are hungry for a solid shooter. What is Sony doing about this gap in the genre? Are they just going to rely on third parties? Rumors point to SOCOM, but would one game or IP be enough? Thanks for the great content and stay safe. I thought about this, too, when I was reading about this, about its its meteoric rise. My suspicion is, is and we've talked about this, is that Sony is is in the works of trying to solve this problem. I do think SOCOM is going to come back, and I suspect that it either Killzone or Resistance will come back, too, but I think it's the su- one or two of these second-party games from Firewalk and whatever, Haven, like, one of those games is going to be the big multiplayer game, I think, for them, and we're going to have to wait for that, but... I suspect that they know full well what the what the hunger is, not only for these shooters, but free to play games and just massive demo scenes and all these kinds of things where you're exposed to more games, uh, you're exposed to more ideas, and hopefully you spend more money on the platform from their perspective. So, yeah, no doubt about that. All right. We just have a couple more things to get through. Number 10, those specific details are scarce. It appears that EA-owned developer BioWare's once-beloved Dragon Age franchise is, ne- is being brought to Netflix in the form of a live-action show. Word comes by way of website Giant Freakin' Robot, which has a track record of nailing these sorts of predictions, and although they confirm that the show is in active development, there's little else to say, including who may be involved and what the timing of the project's launch will be. Netflix's interest in a Dragon Age show shouldn't come as much as of a surprise, however, considering one of its most popular shows in recent years has been The Witcher based on the gaming series, which itself is based on a Polish language fantasy novel series. Dragon Age is very similar to The Witcher in myriad ways, and so there could be good value for their audience. Dragon Age, which began in late 2009 on PlayStation 3 with Dragon Age Origins, has been silent for years. A sequel came to PS3 in 2011, and both PS3 and PS4 were graced with the last entry, 2014's Dragon Age Inquisition. A new game is indeed in development at BioWare and is rumored for a 2023 launch, although little else is known about it. Chris, what do you think, uh, I don't think any of us are really into Dragon Age. I always found it quite sterile, but it doesn't surprise me that Netflix would want this. If you find success with The Witcher, I assume you're going to take to this next high fantasy world. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I mean, I, I've never really been that into Dragon Age either. I've, I, I've never played any of them. They've just never appealed to me. Fantasy in general was just always this genre that it took me a long time to really get into it. Like, I liked Fable 2 and, like, Skyrim, obviously, and but that was really it. Like after I had played those, I was like, I kind of got my fill for years, and I kind of still like I'm fine. <laughs> like I, I could go back into Skyrim right now and have a blast. Like, and it's that's all I need. So Dragon Age just missed me. I've never been that interested in it, but like, yeah, I mean with the with the success of you know even even just stuff like Game of Thrones, you know, if, if you can nail yourself. If you can find yourself an IP that has a lot of lore already, that has like an established IP that has a lot of fans, that you can then just build something on top of, you'd be dumb not to do it. You know, it it just makes a ton of sense. Dude, they're doing an Amazon (laughs) Lord of the Rings series. The fantasy is the new thing. It's going to it's, it's 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 going to get over invested, and we're all gonna get sick of it real soon but that's
1: that's where we're headed so it it doesn't surprise me and it's also costing amazon hundreds of millions of dollars which is fucking nuts yeah well for a series that was already done pretty capably by peter jackson i think although yeah i guess this is the second
3: age or i don't know. it's like a prequel mind. series or yeah. something like something like that like whatever a little off topic but like i, I you know it, oh, it makes sense that right. they would they would go after this it, it's um and also by the way Makes sense that it's a TV show and not a movie, so at least it's that. Sure,
1: yeah, uh, I would I would think that if they were going to try to do Dragon Age Origins, for instance, or something, they would need that because the, the cool thing about Origins, if you guys remember, was like I think you could start as one of six players. They all had like their own prologue, and then you go from there into the game. But I never played the sequel and because Inquis- it looked bad. Inquisition and I think Dragon Age Origins was not great either. But Inquisition I actually bought during a sale a year or two ago. I don't know if I'll ever get to it or not. I I'm, I'm just not that in, I don't find Dragon Age very appealing. Doesn't What do you think about Netflix kind of chasing this rumor anyway? To me Dragon Age my
2: experience with it. So I'll I'll leave it at that. Uh my experience which is playing a little bit of Inquisition and I've seen some of the earlier ones, but even then I just feel like it just feels like pretty generic on the in the the fantasy front right like to me i'm like why would this be the one that you want to pursue because what are you going to make a a a remake a retelling in tv form of the first game are you going to do just something different in that world and if so like i feel like you could have gone after something else but i don't know the the optimist in me says, says that maybe there's some kind of thing where they're trying to do a show alongside a new game, which would be cool if you could tell a different story that relates to the game and doesn't necessarily retell it. A story that would be better told through TV. Uh, but I think that is wishful thinking because it's always not that.
1: <laughs> well, what do, you, what do you think about this idea? This is getting a little crazy, but they can somehow tie the new game together with the TV show. And maybe there can be because it's going to be probably a next gen game. It'll be very impressive graphically. They will probably have great motion capture. Wouldn't it be cool? Maybe it'd be a little creepy, but where some of the characters from the game are actually in the show in the real world. And maybe it's like a different story or like a different part of the kingdom or wherever it takes place, the world that they're in. That'd be kind of neat. And this yeah. actually that actually speaks to the synthesis that that Sean Lane was talking about, about how do you leverage everything that makes sense and be kind of symbiotic? And obviously we give a lot of credit always to Remedy for trying to do this a lot with Control and Quantum Break and others where you kind of have these disparate elements. But this would be even more extreme. I think that would be kind of neat. I doubt that that would be it. But imagine a TV show that really compels you to play the game that really compels you to watch the TV show that really compels you to play the game that really compels you to, the game, really compels you to watch the TV show, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That's 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 what they're missing. I think even with The Witcher, we saw The Witcher bounce up in in sales charts, which was awesome for them. But I think even that didn't have the effect. I mean, imagine if there was a Mass Effect TV show. How much that would inspire play, how much that would inspire creativity and imagination and all that. So maybe they can do something like that. But it's the wrong IP for me to really care about. Yeah. Finally, a wrap up number eleven Website Push Square reports isometric RPG Baldo the Guardian Owls comes to PlayStation 4 on August 27th. Website Silicon Era reports Dungeon Crawler Mary Skelter Finale comes to PS4 on September 30th. Website Kamatsu reports survival RPG Chernobylite comes to PS4 on September 7th, while action game Lost in Random comes to both PS4 and PS5 on September 10th. Publisher Koei Tecmo confirmed that the port of the 2014 Wii U horror game Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater comes to both PS4 and PS5 on October 28th. Toei Animation and publisher Bandai Namco have yet again delayed its Digimon game, Digimon Survive. First announced in 2018 for a 2019 release, the game is now slated to launch in 2022. Long in development, action RPG Crimson Desert, due out on PS4 and PS5, has been delayed for console launch indefinitely. It's unlikely we'll see the game before 2023. And finally, PC-centric battle royale game Nakara Blade Point, set for a launch on PC in the coming weeks, will also come to PlayStation 5 relatively soon though a specific release date wasn't given. It's also noting that in the time we're recording Annapurna Interactive, the publisher did a small 30-minute event. So there's just a few items I want to add. That game about the cat, house cat, like the stray, now has a release date of early 2022 for PS4 and PS5. Solar Ash comes to PS4 and PS5 on October 26th, and they announced a... Interactive poem. It says on P- play, um, Push Square, "A Memoir Blue" is an interactive poem, devoid of words, hitting PS4 and PS5. So there's that as well. So we can keep an eye on all of that. All right, guys. Is tradition dictates six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/LastStandMedia. We'll start with Badly Brave, who wrote in and said, "Hey CDC." With the lawsuit against Activision and concerns growing with China in the industry, I want to ask if you think people are beginning to grow more inclined to follow Colin's mantra of vote with your wallet. While I don't often choose to boycott games, I'm finally finding myself unable to support Activision's future products. I see more people than usually making the same choice, and I wonder if this is just a special instance or if we're trending towards a more morally aware gaming audience. Sorry for the long question, but curious to hear your thoughts on it. Have a great rest of your week, boys. So you guys might remember that at the top of the episode, I promised we would revisit this topic. Cause I wanted to ask about consequences and Chris, I'm curious and I don't know how specific you want to be or not, or if you can be, mm-hmm. cause it, it might take a little bit of thought, but have you ever reacted to a brand where you're like never again? And if so, can you think of the reason why that is? Cause I've done that with a few brands, but it's just been like quality oriented. Like I always make fun of subway, which I think is like a horrible, like horrible food. <laughs> oh, it sucks. And it sucks. I, I think at, at some point I like, I used to eat there a lot out of college because it was cheap or whatever. And at some point, I'm like, this sucks. I can't eat this anymore. And that was like 11 or 12 years ago. And I was just never eating it again. So I've totally like thrown off. And I stopped eating Hot Pockets for like 15 years because I found one with like blue mold in it. And it like, you know, that just ruined my life. So but I've never I don't think taken any stances based on extraneous circumstances. I'm wondering what where you stand on that.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever really done that either. I I think um I think for the most part, if you're offering a product that I like, I'll you know I like it, you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna grab it or like I'm gonna if it's like food, I'll go I'll go get like I I joked a lot about like dude if if every New York pizza restaurant in the city was like had signs outside that was like uh. <laughs> Puerto Ricans not allowed. I would just, I would literally just wear a disguise and go in there. Like I, like I don't, like I sincerely like if something's good enough, I'll fucking listen, man, whatever. But I do think there is a degree where it's like, okay, what are you offering the community? Like, what are you offering your consumers and how are you operating your business? And I think Blizzard is in this kind of unique position that I don't think I've seen many other, many other companies in where, they're not offering their consumers all that much of anything, and their business is conduct is being conducted in a very, very overtly negative way. Uh, because, what is it, they had Warcraft 3 reforged, which was like a mess.
1: You know, they had... And, and wasn't there, uh, sorry to interrupt, but wasn't there also a story about how they were... Marketing that game, knowing it wasn't ready, and accepting pre-orders, mm-hmm. understanding that yeah. it was not going to come out, and all that—all
3: yeah. all sorts of shit—and even just back then, back when Diablo Three launched, and it had the auction house, and it was just a mess, and it didn't load for anybody, and just like Blizzard's been kind of like on a steep decline quality-wise for what they've been uh, able to offer their their consumer base for a while. So this just adds more fuel to the fire to the point where it's like I could see much, much far easier now than previously, where somebody could be like. Yeah, you know, fuck Blizzard. Like I I might I don't think I'll support Blizzard anymore because it's because not only is it, you know, taking a stand, but it's also like easy because they're not giving you a reason not to. You know, I think actually what's funny about this whole thing that happened with Activision and 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 Blizzard and this lawsuit is three days before this lawsuit happened, or like two days, I can't remember, it's like a very short amount of time, the biggest World of Warcraft streamer left for Final Fantasy. That's why Final Fantasy had that huge uptick in like player base because like the biggest Wow streamer on the, on the I think in the world I think Asmongold, Gold I think his name I'm not super sure, but he was like I'm sick of Blizzard like it's I'm annoyed I'm gonna go over to Final Fantasy and then everybody went over to Final Fantasy and three days later this this lawsuit happened and it's like wow dude it's a mess it's a mess it, over it there it is it is and yeah I I, I can't think of. A company where like, like it would break my heart to like, for Bungie to do something that would be like, oh my god, I I don't know sincerely if I if I could, it would have to be pretty egregious for me not to like, still have interest in a a new Bungie title like I understand because like, there's a lot of games that come out that are like garbage and annoying and like some things that get your hype like really high up and then they come out and it's like really depressing. And it's like, Oh my God, there's so few things that really grab you in such a way that to lose something like that from a studio that you respect and develop in such a way that like, you just kind of have to, that's a, that's a tough situation to be put in. But I don't think blizzard is in that situation because I said at the top of the show, they haven't done anything particularly great in a long time. Granted, I'm somebody who doesn't really care for overwatch at all, so maybe some people might think uh, maybe five years ago they did something or six years ago Overwatch came out and it was great and I loved it. But the last five years of Blizzard has been pretty fucking awful. It's been pretty not good for anyone. So I feel like it's just easy to not, <laughs> not support Blizzard. What do you think, Dustin?
2: It's difficult. Most people that play these games don't, aren't even going to know when mm-hmm. when the new, uh, you know, Call of Duty comes out, millions, i i'm millions of people will buy this and not even think about the Activision branding on the box. They're just going to buy it and that'll be it. And so. I'm kind of conflicted about this because I do believe in the mantra that, you know, if you don't want to support something, then don't spend money on it, but. At the same time, with something like this, it's, like, probably not going to make any difference uh, just because of how popular some of these products are. So, I don't know. It's, it, it's a difficult choice. And to me, it's, I don't know, you mentioned about boycotted, like, how long have you boycotted or other stuff. It's, like, people may boycott the release of Diablo 2, the remake, Right, there may be some people on Twitter that, or in our circles, that will do that. But people forget, and then they move on. If this is settled, and then nothing else comes up, then people just move on. And that's, I mean, hopefully if they're moving on because these issues are resolved. But sometimes it's just not in the zeitgeist anymore. We saw that uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, the the Israel Palestine thing. It was yeah, no yeah. longer the. The topic of conversation and so no one cared about that conflict anymore
1: so i i'm i'm conflicted i have to say i mean i'm a little i'm not conflicted i mean because the answer is i'm not gonna boycott any video games mostly because it's that's i have to be honest i mean i'm not gonna play many activision blizzard games anyway i'm not gonna play i don't know what the last blizzard game i even played was and activision uh, very rarely play their games but we are I want to speak for everyone, but I run a video game company and we cover video games and I'm not going to say like, oh, I'm not going to buy like a Ubisoft game or I'm not going to buy Far Cry 6 or something. That's, I mean, I, I am going to buy Far Cry 6. It doesn't mean that I support what is going on at these companies. But the reality is, is that many people work on these games that didn't do anything wrong their jobs depend on these games as well. So you can make the argument that, yeah, the capitalists at the top of the company are, are reaping the benefits, but so, too, are all the teams that are going to sell millions of copies of their games. I've just never really been one to make those kinds of decisions. I will say that I encourage other people to do it. I've long encouraged people to boycott electronic arts, not because I will, but it's like everyone bitches about them so much. So stop buying their games, but you won't. And this goes back to what was going on with the consumerist like 10 years ago when everyone was, you know, they were beating Bank of America for worst company, but then they would sell like, you know, five of the top seven or eight best selling games or EA games to me. I just encourage people to make the choices they want to make. But it all ties in the activism and the political stuff and all of the stuff we talk about on the show. It all ties in because my whole thing is I would like for people to give us a choice, right? And we talk about we have a choice inherently. But what I mean is why doesn't Sony give us a choice to buy a Western made or a fair made PlayStation 5? Because I'd buy it, you know, or why doesn't the gap or just some random clothes store why don't they not stitch their sh- sh- you know shirts in chinese factories and instead use fair labor and all that it's not really up to us on the bottom end of the scale to make adjustments it's almost not really fair yeah. you know what's what's most fair is to expect the people at the top with the most means and the most ability to to c- create different outcomes to create different outcomes and in the meantime I think we have to just kind of support what we can on the bottom and support what we want to support on the bottom. Cause someone had asked me and it it kind of brought me into like a mind cycle where I was thinking about this a lot. Someone had said like, what if 10 cent bought Patreon? Right. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. Let me think about that. And my first thought was like, well, that would never happen because 10 cent would inherently ruin Patreon because people wouldn't be allowed to say a lot of things or do a lot of things probably anymore. But then my thought was, I was like, well, That's not really giving my company an option. We don't have any other way. We're we're, we're established here for years. Like we can't go anywhere. So my thought was like, I would just be as disruptive as possible from inside. Like I would just make every thumbnail like a Taiwanese flag. And I would just do like all sorts of really ridiculous shit that had nothing to do with the show just to constantly press them and just see and fuck with them from inside, like a disruption from inside the house. And I think that's what we're seeing with Activision and with Ubisoft's kind of their letters of support, their walkouts and all of the rest, where the inside is kind of fixing itself so that the bottom product that we interact with will be easier to support. And it's not necessarily fair for to go to a person who I mean, it is what it is. Maybe fair is not the right word, but it sucks to go to someone who's just plays Call of Duty every year and says, like, well, now you can't because of all these. And it's like, well, you can. You have to make decisions and you have to assume and hope that the people who make the choices at the top are making the decisions that are right so that the consumer is impressed. Yeah, because it's the same thing I always think about with Chinese goods. It's like I don't want PS5s to not be made in China anymore because they'll be more expensive. I'm simply asking for an option. I'm simply asking for you to give people the choice because we, we give the people the choice with our merch. It's all made in America, right? for printed in america shipped from america all fairly and we had a choice and i I said before we we could have sold really high-end goods that were awesome i loved them actually but they're made in china and i said no we're not selling them because we're at the top of that chain and we can make the choice just like patreon's at the top of their chain and they have to make the choice and activision and blizzard's at the top of their chain and they make the choice and ubisoft makes the choice and so on and so forth i hope that makes sense to people Makes sense to me
2: Yeah. Right. One thought that I just did want to add, Colin, you yep. brought up how you won't be stopping buying any games, and I'm I'm in agreement with you there. Like, I saw a few different press outlets say that they would not be covering Activision Blizzard games uh, for this foreseeable future until their changes made. That's their prerogative to do that, but I also think that's ridiculous because someone else is going to come in and scoop up those views. And it's, it's weird, a weird line to cross when you have that level of activism, activism, journalism, just very, very odd to me. And part of me is like, is that, I don't know, it's a really good thing to say on Twitter. And I guess that, you know, if you want to do that morally as a company, I, I guess, but I just found that in, in,
1: incredibly weird. Did you see that also? Yeah. And it's It's strange because I just feel like why is the pressure in these situations being put on the people that can exert the least amount of pressure, right? You're not seeing IGN and GameSpot making these proclamations, right? You're seeing and no offense. I like Nicolandra and others, but like you're seeing the escapist like companies that can benefit from the word of mouth of them doing that where it's no it's no injury. I would imagine any talk and I'm sure knowing the activist class at IGN. That any talk of like, well, let's not cover Activision Blizzard. Pear is probably like, are you kidding me? You know, and it's also kind of strange because you see the escape is still covering the story, but not any of the games. I just feel like our what we do is we cover games and we tell people about them and we cover all of the news we can that encapsulates that. So, you know what you need to know. But we can't pretend that Call of Duty doesn't exist or that Assassin's Creed doesn't exist or whatever comes out of Ubisoft if all the shit gets worse there. Right. So, so yeah i have seen it i'll be playing and diablo 2 like for sure you um, and um i i would assume diablo 2 is gonna be one of the best-selling games that month i mean and, oh and, yeah and that, i'm not saying that because I, I i think that sucks but it's just it just is the way it is just like yeah i mean how many times do i have to say we can't live moral economic lives i personally choose not to put myself in a box because i can't live up to the standard mm-hmm. so i might as well not even pretend right all I can do is that when I'm the man who makes the choice, like with our merch, I make the choice that makes it easiest for our audience. And that's all you can count on. If we all make those kinds of top down decisions, then things will just get better by nature. The market will also correct. And these companies won't stay away from Activision for long. I yeah, no. All right. Let's move on to this next one from Harrison Stanley he says, hey, CDC, I would just like to quickly play devil's advocate for X Defiant. Well, I agree the name is horrible and the marketing isn't great. I think there is room in the market for this game. Just last week, you guys were praising Konami for making Pez free to play. I think you even mentioned that you wish uh, Call of Duty would do the same. That's what X Defiant is. It's a free to play arena shooter with objective game modes. It seems to me that they are trying to compete with Call of Duty and maybe if they are successful, we could see more competition in the genre. But what say you? Do you still think it's a horrible idea or you could, see, could you see this game being a success? Chris, we've had a week to think about X Defiant, maybe a week too long to think about X Defiant, but... <laughs> has your opinion changed on this at all as far as the angle this game takes because Harrison could be right i mean this game might make more tangible sense i'm just put off by the aesthetic i'm put off by the crowdedness of the of the space but i'm also yeah. an outsider so i i go to you for this
3: look if if they want to make a free to play call of duty that's great that's a great idea and and from the gameplay that i saw it looks like a competent call of duty clone You know, that's, that's cool. Like it, it doesn't even look that it's, it doesn't even look like it's not fun. Just why does it, why do you have to put two Splinter Cell people on the, on the cover? Like, why do you got to do that? Why not just have it be a new IP with like a new aesthetic, new characters? You've clearly abandoned the Tom Clancy IP, like as far as like a a guiding principle a long time ago. There's zombie aliens in Rainbow Six now. It's, it's, you've jumped the shark. It's gone. You've jumped the, the ocean, basically. So I don't have a problem with the game design present or the premise of the game or or them wanting to dip their toes into this genre or into this market. I think it makes a ton of sense. But to me, it's like... It's, like, uh, it's just annoying as somebody who really values Tom Clancy as an IP and also who just misses Splinter Cell To see that aesthetic just consistently, like, abused. With no intention of making anything valuable out of that idea. Like, imagine, like, your dad dies. And then, like, five years later, some party clown comes into the door wearing your dad's clothes. Like, look, it's me, your dad. Don't you remember me? I'm fun and wacky. It's like, this is creepy. And then, just stop it. Just let Splinter Cell die If you have no intention of using these IPs in the future, leave them alone or do something with them proper. Don't, like, wear their skin in this, like, weird Chuck E. Cheese carnival clown show and, like, expect me to, like, be excited about it. Because nothing about X Defiant looks good because it has Tom Clancy IP in it. Everything that looks good about X Defiant is it looks like Call of Duty and it's free. And it looks competently made. And it doesn't look like it's broken or a mess or or anything like that. The only thing that bothers me about it is that it's just disrespectful and I, I'm not going to play it like I just I, I won't like I just, it's it's annoying at this point.
1: Fair enough. Let's move on to this next one. Greg Wallace. I'll kick this one over to you, Dustin. Hey, CDC, I wanted to say I think you guys are underestimating the appeal of the Steam Deck, which was surprising giving your support of the Vita. Well, the Vita had trophies. First, I think you have focused on AAA PC games when Steam is filled with indies like no other platform. My first thought when the Steam Deck was announced was playing games like Hades on the go without double dipping. Secondly, Valve has mentioned that while the device comes with Steam OS preloaded, it is possible to wipe that to get access to other storefronts through the regular windows, which means we should not uh, we should be able to access Microsoft storefront with Game Pass without having to connect to the cloud. Not only that, with an open system, think of all the emulators and ROMs you can have on this thing. As a New Yorker who has seen some long commutes underground made better by Breath of the Wild, I'm interested to see where the device will go. So Dustin, I must say, and Chris, we'll go to you too about this later, because I'm sure you have something to say about this too, but we've gotten a lot of pushback from the audience about our not dismissive, well, I don't think we were dismissive of Steam Deck, but just being like, well, it exists. I think we gave it quite a bit of time, but people want it to have more credence. What say you?
2: Yeah, I'm... I don't know. I feel like we didn't under us. I- I'd have to listen back. I can't remember. I won't remember this show by the time we hit stop. So <laughs> I don't remember what we said about Steam Deck. I don't feel like we were underestimating the appeal, but maybe we did. But anyway, yeah. I feel like it it has tons of appeal, obviously, like it sold out all versions of it, like very, very quickly. I think that where I- what I had to say more was so is just to have some reservations on what this thing's going to be able to do we don't know we haven't really seen it perform outside of like ign filming some off-screen stuff of games that came to last gen in a a lot of cases so that's where my hesitancy is is like you know pump the brakes this thing isn't like um i mean it is a mini portable pc but when you say pc people assume like Power right, and it's like this thing is very much a mobile platform and is going to do those things. I would also wonder about uh when he's talking about installing Windows and having Game Pass installed without having connect to the cloud. I'm curious about what that experience will actually be like. In fact, I don't know. Can you run Game Pass games in your PC without being connected to the internet? Like, is there like a DRM check I there?
3: I think you can.
1: Yeah, It probably has to check in or something. Every once in a while. I'm not
3: super sure. I don't normally use Game Pass on PC, but I think there must be some way. Right.
2: Yeah, and I mean, dude, he mentions the the emulators too. Like, this thing's gonna be fucking awesome. It's gonna play more Nintendo games than the Switch
3: will. Like,
2: it's it's <laughs> yeah. a, the it's emulators act-
1: sound the most the emulating sounds most appealing to me as well. Dude, the, right. the
3: Series S apparently is a crazy good emulator. Like, it, it's, yeah, <laughs> it has me curious about it. But I, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But like,
2: no, no, go ahead. I I think I've I've run out of steam here on this. Ha, nice.
3: Uh, I think, um, I don't know, like, I I don't think we underestimated so much as just it didn't necessarily appeal that much to any of us. Like, I, I think it's a cool piece of equipment. Like, the ability to just play, like, your entire Steam library on the go is amazing. I just think, like, I'm not really a portable guy in general. It's been a long time since I've, like, really carried a portable console around with me. I think maybe PSP was, like, the last time. That I really carried something like that around. And even l- that thing was like... It, it was a bit big. So I didn't really like... Walk around with it. Like I played it in bed. You know, that's what I used it for. I would be like in bed. I would play like Wipeout Pure... Before like I went to sleep or something. And that was that was what it was for. It was just like lulling me to sleep. So like I'm not necessarily the audience for this. Even my Switch... I've, I don't use it portably. Like I, I I'll bring it on a plane or something, because that's, like, convenient, but I noticed recently, ever since I got, like, a proper gaming laptop, I'll bring my Switch and my laptop for different reasons, and I'll always use my laptop, because it's just way nicer of an experience on a plane, and I don't know, like, I, maybe this is me being a little bit spoiled from modern console hardware and modern PCs, but the fact that this thing is targeting 30 frames per second doesn't really excite me, especially given how low the resolution has to be for a portable screen. Like I was hoping that like you could get away with like a really low resolution on a, on a compact screen like that in exchange for a target of, of at least 60, you know. And I understand that that might be like a lot asking for from a portable machine. I fully acknowledge that. But that's, I think, what it would take to get me excited. Like, because that is the defining factor that, like, makes games enjoyable to me now. Like, sincerely, like, when we were playing Ratchet & Clank and I dipped it back to Fidelity mode and it was, like, 30 frames per second, I couldn't do it. It was abhorrent. Like, I, it was genuinely unplayable to me. And, like, I wonder, having all this time spent on, like, PC and e- even now console games running at 60, I wonder if the portability of that would even be enough for me to supersede the fact that it was chugging visibly in front of my eyes and I don't granted we don't know how everything runs on it I would like to get my hands on this thing and like maybe test it out because maybe I am overstating it maybe I am like being a little bit too doom and gloom because it is a cool premise it's a very cool idea this is freedom like we've never had before in the portable space but I just think given its size given the fact that it is a PC and that it comes along with these expectations of power and performance and it's not going to meet those for every 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 title that you could get i uh i ju- i'm just concerned i think it's awesome technology i think it's great that we're here because it means that we can get somewhere even cooler in the years to come the fact that this is here means that there's going to be something crazier in like four years and that's that's what i'm excited about it to me it's like the phones that have the foldable glass and you can like fold them like they're like the new motorola razor or whatever yeah just like opens it's like that's going to be really cool tech in like three years and I'm going to want a phone like that. But for right now, I'll let the dust settle. I'll let, I'll let Digital Foundry and all these other people get their hands on it, give the feedback necessary for Valve and whoever else is making these things to make the best possible version of it. But I want to just be on the record of saying I do think it's really cool that this technology is available to just consumers now. That's so, that's so sick.
1: To, for me, I mean, I agree. It's super cool. I, it's just too sophisticated. I think it's just too sophisticated for me. Like what people are talking about doing with it. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I just like out the box. Cool shit. I'm, I'm not I'm not into the, uh, you know, you can make it, a re, you know, wipe it and then put windows on it and then download it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come on, man. Yeah, I can barely make myself dinner. You're going to like. Make me do all that. All right. Next one up here. Rob Cavazina wrote in and said, dear conductor, Colin Caboose, Chris and Doodlebug Dustin. How about that trend announcement? Huh? Now that Media Molecule is no longer making standalone games and just making games in Dreams, can we now conclude that Dreams is Sony's answer to Game Pass? Where else are you going to go for free with purchased day one first party games? Ridiculous comparisons aside, are any of you excited for Tren or the other announced Media Molecule title Ancient Dangers of Bat's Tale? And more importantly, do you think this will will move the needle for any creatives to go into Dreams and start making their own games? I'd like to be wrong, but I don't see it. So I'm sure none of you have any idea what's or most none of you have any idea what's going on with Dreams, but... Yesterday, DreamsCon 21 began, which was kind of this cool... It's a cool idea. It's like a digital co- like conference with people that are into Dreams. And they announced, actually, two in-game games. And they're calling them Media Molecule Originals with like a logo above them. Ancient Danger is a Bat's Tale. And then, like we said, the, the game Trend, which was actually announced first. This is a cool idea. It's just that they need to allow these games to be exported out of Dreams. One, I don't understand why that's such a challenge. It, it actually really is mind-boggling you don't have an exporter to have a, a final product that doesn't have to run on dreams because that would then why wouldn't you just release these games on psn see if that if they were doing that then that would be cool if it's like oh we're busy heightening our storefront from an independent level or a smaller level with smaller games that will be available for you to play without dreams with trophies and and all of the rest the one thing that i i look at though is it just doesn't seem like there's very much interest in dream like the Dreamscom 21 thing has 29 likes and four comments on playstation blog you know it's like to put that into into context a day later they posted about life is strange true colors and it has better numbers it just seems like they're doing the right thing the wrong way yeah and uh yeah i wonder what you think of this chris
3: yeah i i mean i'm with you in the sense that i just think this well first of all this needs to be on pc um that's it that's yeah we say that uh, of course ad nauseum because it's true yeah it just needs to be on pc like i it's i understand that there's probably like a problem there with like move controller compatibility i think that's probably like one of the main reasons why it's probably like a little bit tricky because the dual sense or the dual shock doesn't necessarily function the same way on pc as it does with uh, with a playstation i understand it's probably like a huge hurdle but it needs to be on pc you need to be able to export these things There needs to be – or if not, there needs to be some kind of storefront where people are incentivized to, like, go in there and, like, make cool shit and actually have a – because I feel like people are – if they're really using this for game design, it's, like – it's probably a good learning tool and it's probably a good way to think about things and maybe draw proof of concepts, but the second somebody has anything that's remotely, like, aha moment – Second, anybody has like something that's like, ooh, that's a great idea. They're going to take what they made in Dreams and they're going to rebuild it in Unreal. Or they're going to rebuild it in Unity. Or they're going to rebuild it in any number of other engines that are more equipped to facilitate a reason to build things. And I don't know. Like, I, I saw this Dreamscon thing. I saw, like, a little bit of the Bat game. I saw Tren. And it's cute. It's it's like, they don't look bad. It's just, I'm not going to play these. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I just wish it was easier for them. And I don't know what the obstacle is, because you'd assume that if they could export stuff, they would have done it by now. It's been out for a while, you know? I don't know what's going on with Dreams. I think it's a mistake to to keep going with this game in the state that it's in. I think you need to make the changes that we're talking about. It needs to be on PC. You need to be able to export. There needs to be a storefront. Because as it stands right now, it's just... It reminds me of, like... Do you remember games like Music Maker on like PS2? Like these are like really weird, like, it's like a fun little like learning tool. And like, you
1: put like your, you put audio CDs in, right? And then like, isn't that?
3: I, it was just a disc from what I remember. I, I, I'm not sure. Like, it, this is ancient. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. This is like 2003, maybe, that I'm, I'm thinking. I, I barely remember my life at that point. But, you know, those were fun games. Like I enjoyed messing around with them and like learning how like, you know, rhythms went together and like progressions and like, uh, you know, bars and like time signatures and stuff. But like, I'm not going to use music maker to make music. I'm going to go over to GarageBand or go over to logic or go over to like any number of other programs that are like more equipped for me to actually do something with the stuff that I'm going to make. And that is the problem that dreams finds itself in where it's like, It wants to be something that it is not equipped to be. And it's frustrating because I think it could be. I think it genuinely could be that because there's a lot of crazy cool shit in dreams with barely any incentive to make it. So imagine if there was. Imagine if there was incentive for like young game developers to be like, let's gather together like every Friday and like build, like kind of like cooperate on this thing. And then sell it and then maybe like somehow get enough money to like establish themselves as like a presence and then like build their own stuff. That's a cool idea, but they can't do it in the state that they're in. Like it's just not it's so it
1: falls so short of its potential that it's 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 almost sad, you know? What do you think, Dustin, about this purgatory that we kind of find ourselves in?
2: I think Chris really summed it up very well and, and to the point where I don't have much to add. It's it's all about the the financial incentive, like Media Molecule, is making very in-depth games because they have a financial incentive to do that. Go to the Dreams store; it's a bunch of abandoned projects. It's like that for a reason.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very well said. I-, I still think Dreams is a. I'll keep saying it. I mean, I've been saying it's not really much of a risk. It's just a huge mistake. Like, it...
3: and, and dude, wasn't there? Didn't <laughs> wasn't there like a Seinfeld game that was like made in Dreams
1: or something? Am I wrong? Do, do, no, no. They made. Yeah, they remade the, the apartment, basically. Yeah, yeah,
3: but they made that in Dreams. And then they made
1: it again. Off Dreams so they could sell it. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a waste of not even looking at the rips that they can get, but just like the what are the what are, guys I know there's dreams believers out there, but you have to understand dreams was announced in 2013, February of 2013. And has yet to materialize into anything that is worthwhile. And I don't I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I I just don't I don't know. And I frankly don't care. I want Media Molecule to make a game, make a game like a real game. Jeff Scott wrote in and said, hey, guys, has there ever been a game with a control scheme so bad that it ruined your enjoyment of the game? I'm currently replaying Battlefield Bad Company on the PS3. And my God, who thought it was a good idea to put shooting on the shoulder buttons in an FPS? There are literally buttons on the controller called triggers. This was a big thing in the PS3 era, as you might remember, because mm-hmm. the triggers on Xbox 360s controllers were where that stuff was mapped. But for some reason, well, not some reason, the, the triggers on ps 3s dual set cent- or dual shock is horrible. So everything was on the R1 and L1 button. And I remember going to PS4 and actually having to adjust to not using those buttons anymore to shoot because we were just so used to doing that. Yeah. But, you know, the games that always come to mind for me, guys, with, when people ask this is, um. Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks on DS were two games that I wanted to like so badly and was so disenchanted with having to use the the stylus to control the games that I literally played them for a combined half an hour maybe and was like ah fuck it I actually was so disappointed I didn't even know that you had to use the stylus when I bought Phantom Hourglass and was like what Like, couldn't believe it and then because I didn't watch any footage I was like oh yeah I'm in I'm in and I don't know why, because, like, that was a pretty weak time for Zelda. The Minish Cap was not very good. Twilight Princess wasn't very good. So I have no idea why I was into this game. But And then Spirit Tracks came a couple of years later, and it was, and, and I actually don't know. I just was like, yeah, I'll buy it. And that was, I think, the last. No, I bought A Link Between Worlds, but I guess that was the second to last Zelda game I even purchased. No, I bought, I bought Breath of the Wild as well. I'm just lying at this point. Anyway, Dustin, what do you think about this question? Any games with control so bad that it ruined your enjoyment?
2: Yeah, so he specifically mentioned control s- scheme, but I, I couldn't think of anything as far as buttons because usually st- I, I'm trying to think of a time I couldn't remap something. I could think specifically when Dishonored 2 came out, there was a big issue with the way the control sticks felt like there was latency. And I remember playing it initially, I was like, oh, this is not, this is not feel good to control at all to the point where I like, yeah. I was I had done like a red box rental and I was I was like I'll probably buy this and then I play this like no this is not where it's at right now and then eventually I went back to it and I don't know if they ever got it quite right on on consoles the controls for that game are a little weird it's very conflicting because I love that game uh, but I really fell in love with it on on PC where there wasn't that weird floaty control feeling.
1: What about you, Chris? Any any uh, thoughts of? Games that uh, a game that came to mind for me, for instance, was Res- Resistance: Fall of Man, which was click to aim, very Halo like. But I can't play like that mm-hmm. anymore, and that wasn't able to be mapped out. But that that yeah. that's the only other thing that came to mind. I'm very used to that.
3: That never that never bo- it bothers me in Call of Duty though, like because I'm like in games whenever there's like an animation to raise, like click feels wrong. But if it's just like a zoom, it's like it feels all right to me. Right. So like Resistance, I remember liking specifically because of that I was like ah oh, this feels familiar, but I can't think of a game that I didn't immediately delete from my memory <laughs> that this question would apply to, but I can't, I do think of games that like I liked despite being just so confused by their stupid control. Specifically like Bulletstorm is a really good example of like a game that I, I genuinely like really enjoy and like really love from like a design perspective and just like a tonal is just like the, the amount of. The creativity in the way that that game was designed from just an FPS standpoint is like really, really awesome. Just like lifting people up and like style points, and an FPS was like really cool. But I remember the control scheme for that game being so baffling, and just it, it, for an FPS, it was like the dumbest. I think A was like melee or like X was melee or something like that. I was like, I was like, what? The, it was a really weird. I wonder if I could look it up because. Because I remember being sincerely befuddled by just the control
1: scheme that they use. It, it, it's like, uh, why wouldn't they just let you remap as well? That's always the thing that frustrates me. It's like, just let people map the buttons. What is the big deal? Hey, Bubby. Or just like, like dude, is the uh, FPS? are deal? so
3: common on console. Like by the t- by the time that game came out, it's like, dude, copy everybody. Just like, just do what everybody else does. Like you don't need to be like I'm super unique. I'm of the same mind. Yeah.
1: It's so I'm weird. In the same mind. <laughs> It's, it is so fucking rough. All right. Let's get into this final one. This is a funny one. Hakeem Hafke wrote in and said, hey, CDC, just here to shame Colin for not updating his LinkedIn profile for over six years now. Seriously, Colin, update this. Maybe then Sony PR will start talking to you. Otherwise, that's all. I hope you're all having an exceptionally average day. Thank you, Hakeem. I don't remember how to log into LinkedIn. And since I don't and will probably knock on wood, never be in the real world again in terms of jobs and stuff. I don't need a LinkedIn. I don't give a fuck what it says. <laughs> Who cares. Dustin, have you lo- have you edited your LinkedIn recently?
2: I believe that I have. Uh, but I don't I don't know. I don't really know what the point of it is or okay, wait, I do have it says executive producer at last stand media. So I did update it since uh the, the rebranded stuff, but I never ever get on there. So
1: I think I, I think I told you that I I when I was at IGN, there was our CEO was like, "I would never hire anyone without a LinkedIn profile." And he was just saying it to someone, and then I was like, "Oh no!" And I went and made one. I'm looking at mine now, and it says 2000 January 2015 to present, co-founder and co-host. It's kind of funny. So yeah, it's it's been a while. <laughs> Chris, are you over there on uh, the LinkedIn? I don't know. I, I I think I had one a long time ago, but
3: there's no way it's up to date. <laughs> there's no fucking way. We're gonna get yeah. so
2: many requests for. Uh... Like so and so wants to join your network. Uh, yeah, is gonna. Ha-
1: I think I still get emails from that. Oh, I have all my shit turned off, so I'm not gonna get any of that. You guys, maybe say, yeah, we there's should,
3: there's no way whatever. that I, I I remember my login
1: information. I, I oh yeah, also I think it's attached to my like kind of funny email, so that's all. Awesome. Yeah,
3: it's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> I've never needed
1: it though, so like, whoa, you know, who cares? Yeah, it's LinkedIn is LinkedIn. I don't. Know, I know a lot of people use it, but it's not for me. All right, well, that was it. That's all we have for our episode episode what is this 161 of sacred symbols a playstation podcast chris do you have any closing thoughts
3: i don't know can you guess i'm hungry yeah. as hell
1: well i we, we recorded 45 minutes late and you were like you said you were ambitious enough to order but nothing ever came to nothing, fruition nothing so I,
3: I, I got a notification in the middle of recording there was like your your order has been canceled and i was like yeah i figured
2: yeah
1: thank <laughs> you
3: guys after like two hours yeah
1: that's my assumption Dustin, what's on, on your mind?
2: Not much. My my folks are here for the weekend, so I'm thinking, you know, it'll be a nice weekend. We're probably gonna eat lots of good food and hang out, and it's always nice. I like when my parents visit. It's very very good time. So that's cute. Just a uh, nice time to chill.
1: Nice. We'll have fun. I hope you guys enjoy it, and thank you all out there for your love, kindness, and support of. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, and all things Last Stand Media. We couldn't do it without your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash Media. Leave us nice reviews on podcast services if you can as well. That's really appreciated. Subscribe wherever you can. Subscribe on YouTube. Watch our other content there. Uh, we thank you. We'll see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. Until then, goodbye. See ya. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is proudly recorded in the USA. The show was conceived by, is written by, and is directed by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-hosts are Chris Raygun Maldonado and Dustin Furman. The show is produced by executive producer Dustin Furman. It's edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by my best friend, Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand's shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer level on Patreon, our highest tier, and we're grateful for your thoughtful and kind contributions to our independent endeavor. Thank you. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLV FMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel Amore, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Jordan Mittman, Tristan Palacios, Graham Plays, Christian Rodriguez, Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Anthony Fuentes, Sweaty Mitt, John Russell, Chris Kelly, Avaristo One, Dustin Graff, Israel Pena, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Josh Allen, Rui, Corbin Dallas, Tyler Watkins, Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Randall Halsey, Robbie Nauman, Nuke Dukum, William Holbrook, Dr. Stump Josh Godfrey Colique Souza Vornak Betty M. Moriarty Callan Lennon Daniel Johnson Htrons, and unofficial controller podcast Ethan Davies Jay Getter Manuel Ochoa Jeffrey Mercado Gregory Slavinsky Galja Of Fortuna Boots Tyler Brown Megadet Poot Gavin Newland Saul Balcazar Zach Parsley Raul Melendez Eric Harden Alex Bolton Matt Martin Kinnums Joseph Baker Rodney Coleman Chris Moore Rinsler 526 Ben B TB Lightning Antti Kinnanen Taylor Barkley Will Hernandez Chris Galvin Mason Cadillac Ollie Fritz Evan Dalton. Zach Allam, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Nayman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, DB Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Michael J. Sutherland, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Noah J. Stevens, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher Devayo, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Mark Liberto, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Blake Israel, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Jay, Organic Produce, Travelous Archuleta, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algaret, Richard Hebert the 3rd, Miranda Grubber, Ray Laja, Josh Yeager, Turbo Makes Games, Dan Parson, Martin Beck, Gavin, Brian Watkins, Joe Andrzejczyk, Nathan R, Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Brody Rainey, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel David Everett, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, Zach Bingley, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K, Brian W. Rath, Alan Trembley Tyler Bellow, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixie, Kyle Thomas, James Kinslow third, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinnison, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, David Mann, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Ayacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayume, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson-Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Media, Jonathan Rice, and casual Misfits Gaming. Hey, Bubby.